What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again live on Twitch. How you guys doing? I'm Anthony. Fucking, let's see, what do we got? <laughs> now I'm all twisted up because I was like, oh no, we're doing something different now. So we're going to do it <laughs> first. So I'm Anthony. I'm here with my resident homies as always, Joel, Joseph, and Casey. Joseph coming from across the world right now. Uh, our guest today, Kelly Schaefer, coming from across the country. Cheers. What's going on, Kelly? Dude, thank you so much for being with us. This is yeah, a, my pleasure, boys. A pinnacle milestone episode for me. And and yeah, dude, I can't wait to Thanks, get into man. this. Um, yeah, so uh, let's do the damn thing. Let's get into some plugs real quick. Ke- Kelly first. Let's do him first. You got it. You got some stuff that's been brewing up for you guys lately. You got a tour coming up and all that stuff. So let's get some plugs. Let's where can we buy merch? Where can we find all this information? <laughs> uh, we Well, you can find all the atheist merch at, uh, at two places. IndieMerch.com. Um, I believe it's uh, atheist da- uh, atheist.indiemerch.com. You can find several designs, a lot of new stuff as well. <clears throat> we also have a couple of uh, interesting designs at shadowkingdomrecords.com. So both of those places pretty much have all of our merch officially. And uh, if it's not there, then it's probably bootleg and don't fucking buy it. <laughs> um, and we, yeah, we have a uh, North American tour with our friends in Suffocation coming up in May and June. Um, we got a spot uh, at the uh, Maryland Death Fest on uh, the 27th, I believe, on the Friday in the, uh, in the, on the big stage. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And that's going to be a great day because there's that lineup that day is, is sick as fuck. So fuck yeah. Cool. I could say fuck, right? Yeah, I can say that. Oh, yeah, you could fuck. fucking fuck say yeah. fuck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> shit, shit. Uh, yeah, so we would, we would actually, we would actually be in Europe right now. And, with the way today unfolded, I'm, you know, like we were going to be playing Poland and Romania. Wow. And, you know, we would literally be, I, I don't know where the dates landed today, but uh, it would have been kind of a tense way to get home from right, there yeah. with everything that's going on, you know. So I, uh, Definitely. as much as we really wanted to get over to Europe, but COVID is actually the reason why, uh, you know, three times it got postponed. And then finally we just had to cancel it and, and try to uh, put together another tour. Our management worked really hard on it. And everybody, you know, the promoters over there try to keep it afloat, but it was just, it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a tough time for everybody. So actually Louis CK, the comic is playing there tonight. I think he's actually, he's still sticking through and doing it right in the middle of, uh, in Romania. Yeah. No, in, uh, Ukraine. He's He's fucking there right now, dude. Yeah. He's not canceling. He's doing it. I mean, (laughs) He's uncancelable, dude. Wow. Louis, Louis C.K. would be the the martyr, I know, comedy, right? the martyr of comedy. He's got, a case, he's got a case of the fuckets. He's got That's a little bit really, of the fuckets. Uh, I mean, I, it's got to be a pretty scary place to be right now. I mean, uh, you don't know where they're targeting, you know, from from day to day. But uh, I have, you know, we have a lot of friends and fans over there, and we wish them the very best. It's a yeah. It's I can't. You know, we in America can't possibly imagine how fucking crazy that is. You know, to yeah. uh, you know, there's a there's a video circulating around today of of a like a residential neighborhood. They were looking out the window and a bomb dropped and, a, and a, you heard a little kid screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, I have a five year old and it just oh, man, oh, dude, that just hurts hit so me bad. right in the heart because, I mean, people, you know, people like to make jokes and, and fucking post memes and, you know, it's not funny. You know, yeah, the, yeah. everybody, the, you know, everybody over there is just like us. They just speak a different language and live a little differently. Uh, but they have children that they love and they, they worked hard to build their families and build their independence and have right. their sovereignty. And, and, and this fucking asshole, 
yeah. from Russia. Yeah, well, really, I, I don't understand why, you know, we think of it as a whole country. We should just take our special, you know, America should just take our special forces and take that fucker out. Because yeah. that one guy is really influential uh, to how sort of the culture of Russia is behaving. And yeah. uh, I'm surprised that I haven't heard, you know, maybe that maybe we haven't heard about that because we shouldn't, you know, if they were going to do something to him. Yeah, they don't want to uh, broadcast it. Right. Because, yeah. uh, you know, but I think that for starters, somebody should be trying to take that fucking guy out. Yeah, period. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we've had enough of his shit, you know, and, and this is, uh, you know, this is, you know, I, I can't imagine what people are going through there. So I, I feel for, for everybody over there and and uh, I hope that they, uh, you know, I, I know that Poland and I heard today that um, Ireland, was it Ireland? Uh, was willing to take people without visas. Okay. So that was really amazing. Yeah. You know, um, if, if everybody can get out, but just imagine being in a 50 mile traffic jam. I, I fucking to, can't, dude. To get yeah, out of your can't. state. <laughs> Nuts, man. Our problems we, uh, are nothing. No, I mean, we really, you know, we act like, oh, my God, I have to put on a fucking mask. Yeah. yeah well, imagine yeah. if you were dodging fucking, you know, missiles from <laughs> Russia, missiles. you know, yeah, yeah. and trying to protect your kids. It's crazy. Right. You know? Yeah. Jesus. Wild it's shit. Crazy. Dude. We're lucky to be where we are in this country. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Talking about fucking metal. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. So, yeah. And the Suffo dates, we already had that flyer up, right? Yeah, I saw it. Nice, good. dude. Cool. Yeah, so I think that's definitely going to happen. So, I, well, I know it's going to happen. So, I don't think there's going to be any sort of lockdown coming up in the next two months. So, we can't wait to see everybody. We're looking forward to it, and uh, it'll be our first shows in two and a half years. Last show we did was seventy thousand tons of metal in oh, uh, shit. January of two thousand twenty. So, yeah, we're talking about a little over two years. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to get my voice back, you know. I've been doing that. I've been in the car to and from work growling every I day. I do the same shit, time. man. Yeah. Trying you know, to get I'm like, oh, man, I got to stretch again. my shit back out again. You know, I haven't yelled enough in uh, in the last two and a half years. Right. <laughs> what, what what kind of techniques do you have for tour? Like, do you as a certain I smoke a lot of pot and drink Jaeger. <laughs> yeah. Talk way too much. <laughs> I'm, man, guys, I'm the worst. I, 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 I'm trying really in my head. I really want to get, you know, I want to be better about the, you know, my, the culture of vocals, but I honestly, my whole life, it's always been that way. Like, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm not a, a picture of health when it comes to uh, good habits with vocals, mm -hmm. but it works out for me. You know, I mean, I have a higher pitch thingy, so it's like, I don't really have to, it just kind of comes, it's a, it's more of a, it's a reaction, almost like vomiting, you know? So when, like, if somebody were to be like, sing sing this verse for me i'm like no it's almost like if uh, like a fighter like uh, come on fight me no we'll punch me and then we're gonna fight yeah, when yeah. i have a when i have a couple shots and i'm in a room full of more than you know a couple hundred people then it's time to fucking get down and and, and it's uh, almost like a possession mm -hmm. and uh no matter whether i'm sick or anything I, it just it comes out and I'm grateful for that. I'm sure that will end at some point. I'm going to have to be a little, <laughs> a little different about my my technique. But uh, you know, I uh, I've just been fortunate. I mean, sometimes I lose my voice a little bit during the day on tour, uh, like when I first wake up, and uh, you know it gets harder. Like when you're in your 20s and 30s, it's a little easier. But when you're in your 50s and you're screaming your face off, totally. you have to be a little more. Uh... So on the last tour that that we did, I, I um, you know, a funny story is that I I. We played, I think it was 2012, uh, 
and right right when we got to we started in the Czech Republic at the Brutal Assault Festival, oh, and nice. I was sick, man. I felt like I had glass in my throat, and uh, it was it was difficult to communicate with doctors over there as an American. And uh, so my drummer Steve Flynn, he went he went and found a doctor, and they got me some uh, antibiotics. But it was the first time that I wasn't allowed to drink. Obviously, you can't drink on the antibiotics. So mm-hmm. I was fucking irritated, man. So yeah. mad about it. Because the first show had this massive Jaeger tent. And I was like, you know, that would be my hang right now. You know, I would be <laughs> over there getting ready for the show, you know. Because, I mean, in my mind, that's how I needed to get ready. But it, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't true. It, uh, it was just me. You know, I think everybody has that thing. Well, I need to do this in order to be yeah. able to achieve that. You yeah, don't. Definitely. You know, it's really at the end of the day, it's your heart and soul that gets it done, you know, and, um, you know, you might think that you need these extra additives, but you necessarily, you know, don't necessarily need them. Uh, and there was um, what I found out was by not drinking, my voice lasted a lot longer, you know. Interesting. Now, did I continue that trend? I did not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I did not because of uh, because, you know, it was it was about weighing out my feelings of because, uh, you know, when you walk out and. And on stage, it's like, it's a lot like getting in a fight. You know, it's a lot like, uh, you know, you, you need a special kind of energy inside you to, to be able to go out there because it's terrifying, you know, because I mean, uh, every, every people could just be like, fuck you, you know, and, yeah, you, and as a, as a singer and a creator, you know, you, you worry about that, you know, and with no, with no alcohol too, you have to just deal with it. There's not like a, you don't have the, that <laughs> harder blanket yeah. of like alcohol going like, well, fuck it. I don't give a shit. You know, you're kind of have to yeah. take more in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, I tried to meet myself halfway on on the on the cattle decapitation tour and all that. I didn't, you know, I didn't like tie it on too much. I had, you know, a shot, maybe two before we play just to just to soften the edges a little bit. And uh, and I think, you know, that's just my that's that's my process. So, yeah, yeah, I wish I, I, wish I had I wish I had a healthier way to be like, yeah, you know, I suck down <laughs> honey. And but I, I got to tell you, there's a thing called throat coat. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like yep. a, sing, a singer's savior. So, it uh, is the best, dude. It's I, I have it every code, time I record as well. It's just it's it's a lubricant for your vocal. So even if no matter how shitty your voice is, you can lubricate it for about a couple of hours to get through a show. And I I learned that from Ozzy. Ozzy. Yeah, we were on yeah. Ozfest in two thousand two, and I, I looked on stage and I saw this cup full of this orange shit, and I was like, what is that? And uh, obviously we went and found out from their, you know, their tour managers and stuff. And, and they had it available at uh catering. Like Ozfest was amazing. And, you know, every morning we could go to catering and you wake up on the bus and there's a bottle of Jaeger and a bottle of Grey Goose. And, and, uh, you could eat lunch and dinner there every day. It had like cafeteria, like in the school, like when you went to school, except yeah. that Rob Zombie was there and system of a down and fucking, you know, it was the weirdest yeah. cafeteria you've ever been to in school because you walk <laughs> in, it's like, you literally wait, you know, you, you stand in line with a tray and you look over and it's Surge from System. And you look over here and it's Zach Wild, you know. It's like, what a fucking weird cafeteria. I mean, right now, you know, like, and, oh, and you man. can't really pull out a camera because it's fucking cringy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, so Didn't you just kind of make like a ridiculous amount of money per show on that tour, too. I think that they made I like don't, over I don't know. I, I, show. I know that that year, uh, Sharon had cancer and uh, Ozzy was flying out a lot and then he actually had one uh, three-day period where he uh, put System of a Down as the headliner. He he canceled three shows himself. Wow. And we, we actually, uh, I was in a band called Neurotica uh, that a lot of extreme metal people don't really know about. But it was, uh, you know, a successful sort of 
hard rock band, you know, and uh, I'm proud of it, but it was just outside of the realm of atheist yeah. people understand. But um, so we got moved to the main stage uh, during that time that that happened. And it was, it was, it was cool. And it was not cool because playing at five o'clock on Ozfest is a little weird for a band like us because you're, you're looking at a lot of blue seats. It's like all amphitheaters. So a, a lot of the people that were actually watching us were about 150 yards away, like way back on the grass. On the field, yeah. <laughs> yeah but for, totally. for, for me as a singer, to walk on that stage, the same stage that Ozzy was about to rock on, and just go, yeah, and check on the microphone was like, it was fuck. I never, you know, sang through a PA system like that in my life. Uh, just it's a, a weird thing that I can't really explain, but there's a there's a torque to talking on a microphone with speakers that are, you know, 50, 60 feet tall. You know, we're talking about five or six stories of speakers. Jesus. It was pretty interesting, man, to, to be like, put your fucking hands up and see people 150, 200 <laughs> yards away. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a nice power. It's cool. What, what year was that? 2002. 2002. Yeah, what 2002. That uh, was with Down and uh, System of a Down and uh, Chevelle and OTEP and um i think pod was on the main stage and uh obviously yeah, Ozzy i, think I and was the, there i was there too at the shoreline cool. one yeah, 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 i was the guy with the big crazy fucking fish i got we had a good run man it was cool we uh you know we had just signed to the wwe and vince mcmahon's uh label it was a brand new label jesus and uh they did a really good job of putting us in a in a good position and and um you know we uh we were fortunate to be be there you know it was, it was a different world for me as uh you know coming out of death metal and, and underground metal and sort of jumping in that pool was yeah. completely different you're talking about radio you know radio play and radio uh, conventions and um just a different technique of marketing music and uh i don't know it uh it was cool you know because i because it was the WWE, it was a brand new label and they had a bunch of money. And, um, you know, they did a good job in the beginning of actually marketing, but they just didn't have the infrastructure as a label. They didn't, you know, they didn't operate. They didn't really know how to operate as a label. They operated as a as a sports entertainment company, you know, and like, it didn't, like XFL or something. Yeah, they, you know, that's a great, <laughs> exa- well, that's a great example because they yeah, fucked yeah. that up by putting wrestling people as announcers. And yeah, yeah. uh and they they tried to do that with us. Like we had a huge meeting with Vince, Linda, Stephanie, oh, Shane, wow. McMahon, at a big, just like you would imagine in a you know in your in your dreams as a young kid. You know, they're sitting at this large boardroom table with these very powerful people, and um, and they were like, yeah, we want to we want to put you guys on tour with uh, with um, Fozzie. And I was like, <laughs> fuck that. Said, Look, Dude, man, Chris Jericho. Right? Yeah, I mean, and yeah, I was just yeah. like, listen. We we are not a because Neurotica was not Neurotica was a good band. We you know we had a, our first record was produced by Brian Johnson from ACDC. Jesus. You know he found us in a little club, saw us playing, and was like holy fuck, you know, and uh, agreed to produce our first album. And Mike Frazier, who did Aerosmith Pump and Metall the Metallica Load and Reload, all those records, he uh, makes the record. And uh, you know so we were coming from good stock. Oh and, yeah, uh, and so. We were just like, no, you know, we, we need to do our own thing. We And they were like, well, what do you mean? I said, we need to do OzFest. So we were signed to a, a an agency called uh, Evolution Talent. And they had like mm-hmm. Britney Spears and NSYNC and all these different artists that were huge. And uh, and we were like, yeah, we want to do OzFest. And we should we should be hitting the market like uh, 
everybody's been sleeping and they didn't know about this band. And because I mean, the WWE had a lot of power at that point. They had a lot of television time. Oh, they totally. had uh, a lot of shows on MTV. And uh, you know, they were in a position to if we made videos and and made music, they could use that music in the wrestling. They could use the videos, and and they did. They used uh, our music for King of the Ring and, and a lot of things like that. But I mean, their exposure was unique to to a record label. Like they had a lot more. They didn't really need mtv or, or or radio stations necessarily you know they could have but they just again they they tried to apply that wrestling logic business-wise to to that and so uh so we parted ways after that but i mean they spent a half a million dollars on our band <laughs> they ran full page ads and like you know all kinds of major magazines and it was cool Damn. man you know it was so it was a good run and we had a lot of fun that that whole that tour we actually you know, to be on Ozfest, it costs seventy five thousand dollars. Yeah, I heard that. Just to be on it, and then it costs probably eighty to do it with the bus yeah. and the crew and all that. So we got to, as a result of me being a dick at that meeting, uh, <laughs> we they, WWE actually ended up sponsoring the whole tour, and Sharon waived our fee, so we didn't have to oh, pay this on five grand. Damn. <laughs> Sometimes it pays to be a loudmouth, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, I've heard about I've heard about labels. Definitely, like uh, I think Black Dahlia Murder was was thrown on that la on that uh, Ozfest back in the day. Maybe it was Mayhem back then, but yeah, they basically the the it was based. The idea was you put them on there, and then right after that you hit the fucking road and you make that money back because like because you got the promotion and now your all your shows are gonna be sold out now. Like you know, so you have to hit the road and now now check it out and try to get that money back. That was like the that was the business model behind yeah. a lot of labels putting people like earlier bands on there. You know. I definitely heard that but that definitely happened. it was a lot of fun man it was uh, a summer i'll never forget it was um you know completely outside the bounds of what i had been accustomed to with with underground metal and touring and, and stuff like that it was nice it was cushy so now that we got you know what it was like to tour like a rock star take us all the way back now i want to see like your beginnings i want to hear you you know like what 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 well, the first thing i always ask is when did music like become a thing that wasn't just background music something made you pay attention can you remember any for me personally yeah yeah take me back to your childhood dude i mean i i you know i, I my mom and dad divorced when i was seven and uh my mom went a little crazy and and hung out with some really colorful people uh my dad was pretty uh my dad was like a powerlifting coach and kind of one of these fucking you know guys was all about being healthy and and my mom was a completely different spirit. She was a real free spirit. And so uh, he was he was very stifling to her and, and to us as kids. And so when they split, my mom went a little crazy. And so I met a lot of really interesting people. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie with, uh, what's it called? The Mask with the kid. With oh, the, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. My life was, was a lot like that with, with Cher and Sam Elliott. And, you know, like my mom hung out with a lot of biker people. And they would always play like bad company and alice cooper and black sabbath and and uh you know like late 70s early 80s shit and so i kind of grew up on that and then uh and then i i had a uh, you know i went through the sort of late 70s early 80s where i you know i listened to a lot of i, I used to love Speed speedwagon i mean i used to love billy fucking squire there was a particular record that i really liked you know i liked a lot of different, triumph was like a huge i was a huge fan of like all these beetle the beatles and um Pink Floyd, I fucking, you know, I started doing acid and shit at a really young age. So I was like Aerosmith. I loved early Aerosmith. So I had, I had this whole sort of uh, uh, foundation 
that came before metal, which I've noticed as, over the years as I talk to, to young metal people in their late 20s and 30s. I say, you know, where did your, where's your musical history start? And then they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I got, you know, the death album in, in 1990. And that's, and that's where it starts for them. I'm like, holy fuck. Have you ever heard Black Sabbath? No, no, no. What do you mean? <laughs> you, you cannot, I'm sorry. You can't be in this club if you haven't heard Black Sabbath. You, 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 know, you, you I mean, and I, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like, come on, man. You know, you, you it would be like, um, it'd be like being a a, a poetry, uh, you know, fanatic and not knowing Edgar Allan Poe. You know, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. You, you can't, a bunch of steps. You can't ignore that shit. You know. Yeah. The, so, uh, so, but I, I had a, you know, the Eagles. Uh, a lot of weird fucking things that I, Beach Boys, you know, yeah, things, Boy. things that I, I really uh, am grateful that I hung around those colorful people that turned me on to all that music. And um, and also I started smoking pot at nine years old. And, and so, I, yeah, so I, I really was, uh, listen, I love my mom. She was a great mom, but, you know, she looked away for a minute. and uh, But yeah. she needed to because she had a really tough time in the early part of my life. And... Uh, and I love really only three years later was when I smoked my first bowl. So it's yeah. really not that much. Yeah, I was the, I was 12. I'll be honest. Time. So at, at nine, I wasn't smoking like I smoked at yeah. 13. At 13, I was smoking like, you know, uh, not all day, every day, but I mean, on a regular basis. At nine, I tried it uh, mm -hmm. and, and thought, oh, my God, you know, and and uh, they would just have parties and shit. Would be, back then, I mean, like you could buy an ounce of pot for 30 bucks. Yeah, yeah. always big bags of pot sitting around and and i you know they would roll joints on tables and me and my young friends would scoop up the you know the extra shit that like that didn't go in the paper <laughs> and we would stay there you know and be like yeah uh but i mean it you know it shaped me and i, I mean i just you know it, it, it gave me a different perspective on life that other people my age didn't have and uh and my sister had a boyfriend named greg skeen and he uh he used to play acoustic guitar and he drove like a really jacked up javelin, like an old school 1970 javelin. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just thought he was the coolest fucking guy ever. And uh, so my mom got me a guitar and it had like two strings on it. And uh, she actually, she worked at the International House of Pancakes and the cooks, there was a, there was a black guy named Otis that was a cook. And uh, my mom was like, I'm trying to find a guitar for, for Kelly. And uh, he's like, oh, I have one. And so it was an acoustic guitar that, this guy Otis had turned into an electric guitar, carved his name into it. This is not a story in any way. And uh, my mom got it for me for 70 bucks and, and it had two strings. So the first thing I ever learned to play was uh, the cars. I thought I was, oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> I only had two strings, so that was a great song to learn, you know. So I, nice. um, but I would watch him play like, you know, he... Uh, you know, you're, it's weird when you're young, you know, you, you, you start playing guitar for different reasons than you end up playing guitar for. So to me, I used to think, you know, I was not a popular kid in any way in, in high school. I thought, man, if I could just play Sweet Madam Blue from Sticks at the back of the bus, chicks would dig me, you know, <laughs> stupid shit totally. that you think when you're like, you know, 13 or 14 years old. But, mm -hmm. uh, but then I, uh, I spent a year like taking a lot of acid and smoking a lot of pot and I stayed in my room for an entire year and I ended up being better than my sister's boyfriend, like really quick. <laughs> nice. And then I, and then I got into, uh, you know, you know, the early, uh, Metallica demo. And then there was a, like a series of dominoes that fell after that for me, Exodus. And I started discovering Exciter and all, all these different kinds of bands. And then I discovered German 
sort of death metal and Sodom and, and stuff like that and destruction. And, um, man, just, it was so exciting. will, I wish that, I wish that people, kids today could, it was like finding, uh, it was like Easter egg hunting and finding bands like, oh man, you know, uh, hearing Exciter pounding metal, like that shit was so heavy compared to what was being pumped down everybody's throat. So I had just like really leaned into heavy music because I always loved Black Sabbath and Zeppelin and, and stuff like that. It was my roots in, in music. And I that, that feeling you're talking about of discovering something. The best. And, I mean, dude, it is something that I, I've been like longing for for so long when I used to go down to Amoeba and just flip through the CDs and yeah. just like, and make a stack music by covers like, you know, that was another thing too, you know, looking through albums and, and going, Oh shit, look at this cover. You know, the, the, the maiden albums were like so important. Uh, Judas priest, all that, you know, all that stuff that I see, you know, really young people that are into, you know, death core and this core and that core, you know, they're all into these core things, but the, you know, back then it was just metal. It was just, Mm -hmm. you know it's like man look at those fucking guys man it's kind of like pot almost like in a lot of ways it's like used to just be good pot it wasn't like (laughs) it wasn't like fucking white widow or fucking you know like the train you just dated yourself so hard dude white widow's like a 30 year old 40 year old strain (laughs) (laughs) oh and that was was literally the first strain i ever heard i was like white yeah that was was like like the shit that was like the most potent shit when we were listen i'll date i'll date all you motherfuckers (laughs) (laughs) there was only there was like red bud and there was like regs and kill bud actually yeah. that's those are the two kinds of pot in the in the mid 80s yeah uh, well, what kind of pot you got it's kill bud or you got <laughs> regs regs is just like fucking regular shit weed. with uh yeah with seeds yeah, but, yeah 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 kids today don't know shit about cleaning seeds out of pot oh no i, I mean yeah i used to <laughs> do that shit all the time it sucked but i you know pot today is just wow and the ones you forget when you forget and all of a sudden you just see hear a pop when, you, when it lights, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, remember all the remember all like the the rumors about like oh if you smoke a seed dude you're gonna be sterile like forever. You yeah, it's like, seeds and stems. You're, you're gonna, you're no, they would go make all these things. Yeah, you go impotent. Like if you smoke a seed, dude, you can't smoke a seed, man. It'll fuck oh, you up. Jesus, you hang out with too many Christians, man. <laughs> Christian influenced people. Yeah, bro. yeah, that's worship. Um, but I I wish that that quality of pot had been around when atheist was writing sort of peace of time and unquestionable presence because it would have been even crazier than it, than it, than wow. it was for the time. Because I mean, that was a big part of our songwriting process of smoking pot. Um, you know, we, we had a warehouse, like a, like a, like, I don't know if you have, I don't know you guys are all in different places, but like a storage garage and we would mm-hmm. like put carpet on the walls and build a stage and, and uh, we would show up there every night and it was, you know, Sometimes we'd roll into practice and there'd be 80 to 100 people sitting there and they would watch us. They would sit there on the floor and get high and do whatever they wanted to do away from their parents, um, all like under 18. And we were all like 16, 17, 18 years old doing drugs, tripping, you know, everybody's doing something different. But we would sit in and work on songs for six hours and people just watch us argue and yell at each other and bitch and complain. And, and, and then finally, you know, end up you know, we wrote piece of time and all those songs that way. And, um, totally. we never worried about anybody that was watching us. We just did our thing. And, and, but it was, it was very tense. So without, without weed, it would have been violent. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, um, so we, you know, so many times, uh, pot has been a really direct influence on the music of atheist 
and you so, know people people try to discount that a little bit. Well, why you know why would you tell people you know to, to smoke pot? And I'm just telling you that's how it went down. That's the real way yeah. that that we wrote shit. Uh, some people think of atheists as like this band that um you know like we're in a lab and we you know are, are concerned about modes and 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 um, you know like uh, technicality and we just you know we didn't. We were just we just stumbled into some complexity that came from uh came from the earth from weed <laughs> hell yeah dude no it, i definitely uh, you know i i don't use it as a crutch for re writing but no. it, it's like i i feel i can get deeper in a creative space and there's nothing wrong with that you people that don't smoke pot before, think, you know you know i mean it's like you know when people when people bust my balls about it, i just think listen how do you get through your day well, I started, I go to Starbucks and I have a coffee. Mm -hmm. Bing, fucking, that's the same goddamn thing is <laughs> what I'm saying. Shit. You yeah. fucking drink coffee. I don't like coffee. I fucking like weed. You know I mean? That's what, that's what stimulates my brain and, and causes me to be the guy that I am and the musician that I am. It's not the only reason, but it stimulates it. it I like a hippie. I like a good hippie speedball, a good big cup of coffee and then a joint that together is fucking see i i'm a i'm a uh, i'm a mountain dew guy so nice okay no you will find mountain dew thanked on the on piece of time if you look at the thanks <laughs> list, the first thing that on the thanks list is uh kelly would like to thank mountain dew and marijuana and uh that's not a lot <laughs> look at perfect it. dude and we are 30 some odd years later it's like yeah. who's this guy spicoli <laughs> hey man, I came before Spicoli, you know, fuck Spicoli. I'm old man. <laughs> uh, no, shit. you know, everybody has things, man, that they, uh, you know, that matter to them. They get, they, they, you know, everybody has a key to their car, and uh, that's the key to my car, man. It makes my car fucking start and, and get rolling. And um, hell yeah, dude. But it's never been something that um, has ever affected my life in a negative way. You know, it's yeah. not like heroin or meth or coke. Like I hate cocaine. I fucking hate it. You know, because I don't like what it does to people. I've lost so many friends to that shit. And, um, oh, yeah, dude. you know, I just, you know, weed is just, uh, you know, it's always been misunderstood. And, um, you know, it's got a lot of really, really great qualities. And so do mushrooms and, and acid. You know, people, a lot of people with depression and, and mental health issues should really look into microdosing yeah. mushrooms. Because it's a revolutionary uh, sort of treatment. For mental illness and uh, so if you're out there watching and you're feeling that just consider microdosing not you know fucking tripping your balls last off, off yeah. taking a small amount you um, want to get to that giggly zone that's that's as far yeah. as you would want to get because i mean dude how can you not be in a good mood when you're in that giggly zone before the fucking shit hits the fan you're just yeah like, you know it's fucking great there's a huge difference between microdosing and and obviously going full-blown tripping yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think that it's, you know, a lot of people have found a lot of, a lot of comfort in, in doing that. I think, so, uh, I think Joseph, Joseph worked for maps yeah, for a while. Joseph, uh, uh, actually worked yeah. for maps that actually helped study the, the, you know, like mushrooms and helping and, you know, I interned. Yeah. Oh yeah. At the time, the, the main, uh, research they were focusing on that they're just kind of finalizing is MDMA for PTSD. So that was their focus, but that was like a legitimate, that was like a, a strategic strategic idea because that was like. This is the easiest way through legalization. Other companies were doing mushrooms for depression, and I worked closely with them. But our, my focus was MDMA for PTSD. Well, in your in your um, research, you probably found that MDMA was was brilliant for marriage counseling. It was originally used 
for yeah. people that were having trouble in, in their marriage. And uh, if you've ever, have you guys all done MDMA? Yeah. I've actually smoked it in a blunt. I've never <laughs> actually taken the pill. That's weird. The fuck no, is wrong I, with you? I just took it. That was in my experimentation. Uh, you just had to be different. You just had to be different. Hey, no, I didn't. Uh, yeah. I didn't have anything there. They just that's passed funny. it to me, dude. Anthony's like, I put it on Never known anybody to smoke <laughs> it. Like that's crazy. Uh, but but MDMA is like, uh, you know, anybody that's ever done it knows it. Yeah. It's a truth serum. It's a uh, and it's really brilliant for for uh, couples that have problems communicating, uh, and, yeah. and and expressing their real feelings. And you know, when you get into uh, different scenarios in marriage, uh, whether it be you know, your sex life or, or, or kids or whatever, it's, you know, those lines of communication sort of bottle up a little bit. And, uh, and, and those, MDMA, those, guess. those are like, it's like a six session therapy thing or six mm -hmm. therapy sessions and one off and one on the MDMA. It, they stagger it like that. Yeah. Well, there's like a, a, a preliminary preparation and then a session and then a integration. And then they right. do that repeated a few times. That's in like a, like legal protocol. So, and then there's underground therapy, which, you know, therapists kind of work with the patient, however they want to go about that's it. How, that's how you um, did the mushrooms? That's how no, you did the uh, mushroom research? The, the, the mushroom research was happening at Johns Hopkins. Now it's happening at like 30 institutions around the world. The, it's the same uh, modality with like intro session integration, all with a therapist there. Um, cool. Yeah. But um, it's like, I think, uh, you know, the legalization movement uh, and, and also the movement to treat people with psychedelics has made more progress than any other progressive uh, issue in modern politics. Did you get a score on that? Were, were you doing that for college or something? Or? Uh, it was actually between undergrad and grad school for me. And then I carried it into grad school for a while. So did I you get a, a good grade. <laughs> uh, I mean, it helped me get into grad school. So that yeah, was nice. Yeah, success. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now it's interesting because big pharma is really investing in it. So now there's this whole big question of like, can you preserve it even if big pharma gets into it? Because there's always been that sort of underground suspicion of that. So yeah, that's yeah. the new that's the new question. And I'm, I'm still invested in researching that particular question. So but um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely I, I have a feeling I'm optimistic. I think it'll be better than the, the treatments that have existed uh, that big pharma has put out for years and years. So I'm still optimistic that it'll be a revolution in healthcare. So yeah, yeah I think with music, I think, um, you know, dipping into different parts of your brain is a, is a positive thing that, you know, I would love to take, I would have loved to have imagined somebody like Prince tripping on acid and take him in a studio and be like, what would Prince do tripping on mushrooms? Mm -hmm. You know, what would, um, imagine, uh, animals as leaders if you got them really high and fucking <laughs> yeah you know like what do they do you know like when you when you take somebody to a different place i don't know maybe those guys get high already I yeah don't i've got i've gotten high before okay all right so <laughs> bad example but i don't know uh, uh the guys in rush pretty oh, sure they yeah no that's they a great smoke example. pot like we smoke pot so yeah. imagine getting them really high and taking them in the studio and just be like come on let's jam you know like uh i think they would find different rooms in their brain and that's mm -hmm. what it's always been for me, especially the lyrics. When I sit down to write lyrics, it's just, it's just like, it's like walking down a hallway with a bunch of locked doors, and I smoke, and boom, they all open up. Yeah. 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 And I look in this room, and I'm like, oh, look at that phrase, and holy shit, look at this phrase, and the things that I would never say in my normal life. There's, you know, plays on words that don't come into my normal 
vocabulary. Know, yeah, my normal vocabulary in, in discussing things with people, and I love that. I love that uh, you know I can come up with phrases like that, and then that, and then once I'm sort of not in that state of mind anymore, I can appreciate those things, and I almost learn from from my own lyrics because a lot of people be like, well, "What's that about?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. We'll have to sit and read it." Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, I, and I'm still that way. Absolutely, like read the lyrics and be like, oh, "Okay, I think I'm, I think I'm kind of trying to say this." And with this line, I'm trying to say that, but I hate to be very uh, literal with lyrics. I like to leave it, you know, sort of open to interpretation as much as I can. But there, there are moments that it focuses in on a, you know, on a specific sort of um, meaning. And uh, but there's nothing worse than when people go, well, "What's it about?" It's like, well, yeah. Know, that's a hard thing to do you know some people can do that i, I can't with my lyrics uh, it's kind a of a lazy question I yeah think. it is a lazy question i yeah, love to yeah. be able to make well i love to be able to watch or read something and 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 through my filter figure it out my, on my own you know like what is or, it? yeah or make it your own yeah you know, you that's totally what i like about that. it you know i could be saying something and i and i liken that to you know people interpreting the bible like whoever you know all those things that are in the bible were who you know whoever said them or meant them you know however much is true uh probably had one thing in mind somebody else interpreted it is you know some preacher in 2022 in louisiana saying something and go well, you know what he means th is this and they twist it and turn it into their own you know till it works for them mm -hmm. um i've you know i've had a, a ton of people over the years be like oh is this song about this and that and i'm like not at all yeah you know and i imagine you know, if I died and people found my lyrics, you know, maybe a hundred years from now, and they'll be like, "Oh, what he meant to say was this, or what what he meant by this was this," and it's like, yeah. "No, that's not what I meant at all." <laughs> you know, I, uh, yeah. but um, that's cool so, that they found you know something in there that you didn't. Yeah, but if it meant know? that to them, and it and it and it made them think in a particular way, uh, or if there's one line in a song that made them have a oh shit moment, and they yeah. and they went in a different direction as a result that was positive. Man, that's that's what music is all about. Hell Think yeah. about what music has done for people, therapy wise, and just in life, you know. And it's just this, uh, this, uh, it's never credited, you know. Music is so disrespected um, by uh, by other careers and, and and people. People just look at art and music as like this derelict, dirty, stinky thing. But every fucking one of you love it. You all love paintings. Totally. You all love music. And if we all stopped making music and stopped creating art, your fucking life would be incredibly boring. Mm -hmm. Fucking mm -hmm. dorky ass people that you know that that uh you know what I mean that that don't appreciate how important you know what I mean like there's I love the fact that Europe will will send a young kid 16 years old to college, 17 years old out of high school into college and and pay for his dream to be a cello player or be a of a, a violinist or a guitar player they'll they'll help him pursue that dream that shit doesn't happen in america no nope. like you want to be a musician like what do you want to be homeless how are you going to make money yeah that's how they look at it like it's not a um you know like a yeah. valid career and god imagine music i mean people just don't realize how much music is a part of everyday life if you removed all music from life can you imagine commercials? It'd be Ooh. creepy as fuck, dude. <laughs> Everywhere. It would just, there, there's no music. There'd be no How humans, is that probably. not more valued? It's almost like air in a way. You know, like yeah. people don't appreciate being able to breathe until they can't. Yeah, you know, yeah that's true. And music. That's crazy, yeah. Will never sort of disappear. So people never have to do without it. And I think that's unfortunate because if they did, 
there was like a five day period where n no music was played. I think people would suddenly realize, wow, we should uh, maybe help these these folks out a little bit. We should we should uh, take the guy from Spotify and fucking choke him the fuck out and uh, <laughs> and make sure that he, he rewrites the contracts for how much he's paying the bands, you know, because it's disgusting to, to to watch this one guy be a billionaire you know, to come into our, you know, to, to music, uh, to come into a game that was already underway. I noticed that you guys aren't on, you guys aren't on there, right? I, I looked We're you not, guys up. Yeah, but it's not for the, you know, it's not for the protest. I, I would love to, 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 to lie and be like, yeah, it's because we're protesting Spotify. Uh, we're in, we're in between um, our licensing deal with, oh, season, okay. with season of mist uh, for the last eight years. They've had the, um, the licensing of, of our catalog. Got and it. So now we're about to sign a brand new deal, which we're really excited about. It's a much bigger, better place to be for our all of our records and future records. Fuck yeah. So we're excited. Uh, we'll be, we'll be announcing that really soon. And there's a lot of really great things coming for Atheist uh, in the next couple of years. They Fuck would yeah. have actually probably already unfolded if not for COVID. But um, hmm. definitely. I'm excited for the future of Atheist for sure. Hell yeah. Well, awesome. that's future of Atheist, but let's just go back into the past a little bit more, dude. I okay. want to know, like, when you met those guys and stuff, how did you guys all meet up? Did you go to school together? Um, I know there's, a, you know, previous incarnations of the band names are different, all this kind of stuff. I want to hear you take Not us really. through that, like. I mean, you know, oh, the Ravage. Band, well, yeah, I mean, it was the same guys. Um, Roger ran myself. Well, uh, one different guitar player. I mean, so Ravage was really, you know, we were 15, 16 years old, made a really horrible demo tape called Rotting in Hell. It's fucking stupid and really cheesy. And it wasn't really uh, that many significant riffs. A couple of them ended up finding their way onto a piece of time, uh, but we revised them a lot. And we were just young kids learning how to play and uh, literally learning, all four of us learning how to play together. And, um, and uh, you know, Rand, Rand Berkey, our guitar player on, on those records, he came from California. So he kind of brought this influence of uh, different music that we had ever heard, bands like Trouble, and um, I don't know, he just brought a, a lot. And, and in those days, it was really hard to it was hard to discover music. It wasn't. It, it's just I can't even put it into an understanding for young people how how lucky they are to be able to just go right to their computer and be like, "Bing," and yeah. find ten, ten bands that sound like this. Like back then, it was literally like, "Holy fuck! I found this! I got this cassette." And it's like, and we would all sit and listen to it, and uh, and I'm sorry, did that pop up on your screen like that? There we no. go. We good? Oh, something mm -hmm. popped up on my screen. Oh shit! But I mean, it's just discovering a band, we would all be like, you know, back then uh, there was no cell phones, so you know, you call people, and be like, hey man, have you ever heard fucking Exodus, or you know, have you ever heard Anthrax, and you know, and it seems passe to talk about now, but back then, really, SOD. I remember when SOD came oh, out, yeah. we were like holy shit, because we loved, you know, punk rock. We also loved, you know, metal, and then we had our roots in power metal and 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 older rock, you know, like Rush and Yes, and and also we as a band also loved Frank Zappa and and um, Spirogyra and stuff like that and Mavisha Orchestra, and so we had this really wide and it was so as sort of young guys we you know we found we were sort of kindred spirits, you know, and. Um, we would just sit in a warehouse six days a week and just play and play and play and we got better and better but we got better together and um so uh roger roger with roger and he had, roger patterson had a uh, a twin brother 
And um, wow. I, used to, when I was 13, uh, we used to sell newspapers door to door. And uh, he also sold newspapers door to door, but he lived in a town next to me. So there used to be this big competition between 12 and 13 year olds, just who could sell the most newspapers. And I was up against those two guys. Uh, that was three years before we ever got together in a band. So fast forward three years, we're playing three years forward. We're playing at a club with a, we had kind of a singer. I didn't always sing Ravage. We had a, like a, like a Paul Diano kind of singer in the very, very beginning. We only played covers. We played like Piranha from Exodus. We played Psalm nine from trouble. We played, uh, die by the sword and hello Aids and uh, a couple of other, and, and uh, Rothschild from maiden. So we were playing, but without a bass player. And Roger, Roger, and his twin brother showed up to this club, and they had grown up. You know, they had, uh, you know, they had leather jackets on and punk rock singing. And so, anyway, we, we were like, "Oh shit, do you remember?" And we remembered each other. And then uh, a couple of days later, just got in a room together, and, and suddenly he was our bass player. And then we moved really sort of quickly in that eight to twelve month period after that into writing songs. And you know, and um, on this sleigh it was like a very early, you know. Super young, immature song, but it's funny that's still in the, it's still in the set. You know, I mean, I wrote that oh, when yeah. I was like sixteen years old. I'm fifty three now, so wow, and, I, and it still fucking bangs, man. You know, I mean, so yeah. there's, you know, I mean, uh, in a live setting, it's great. It's so, so cool. You know, so cool. I, I, uh, lucky. Yeah. I covered that song with my high school band too. We, there's a video out there of us playing. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Ah, I did your vocals. Awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, but I. You know, those lyrics were just super immature, but, you know, I don't even think about it when I sing it now. I just, it's like a, it's like a, a reaction as opposed to me thinking about what the lyrics are. Mm -hmm. they're, just, yeah. they're so woven into my soul, you know, but when I actually think about the lyrics, I think, oh man. <laughs> I think here. about the yeah, shit I was writing, writing at 15 to, it was terrible. The sound of twisted flesh, you know, it's like, oh, come on, dude. You know, but I mean, that's, that's where we were back then. It was all about trying to be shocking. You know, and then, so, you know, we were young too, you know, we were stupid and, and we did some cheesy things, you know, but, uh, we really pulled it together on unquestionable presence and really kind of fucking, I'm proud of the first second and the last second mm -hmm. all the way through that whole oh, thing. Yeah, dude. piece of time has some moments on it that I'm like, ah, sorry. You know, we were <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's, you, it, you know, being your own worst crick because piece of time is a fucking killer record. Dude. I that's love it, really man. But they're, they're, oh yeah. There's some moments on it that are like, ah, oh, kind of but, Peter Panther a little bit. Unquestionable yeah. was actually my first introduction to you guys. Um, previous guitar player of Severed, I'm actually forgetting his name right now. He was just a, a um, session guy or whatever, did some tours with him. But he gave me this CD, and it was like a demo of a Martyr song that they did before or it, it was after warp zone is that the name of the album yeah yeah warp Martyr, zone yeah. so the demos for the album after that he had a couple of them and then he also had unquestionable unquestionable presence on that cd so i i literally got the fucking sick martyr demo and then was just blasted in the face with unquestionable presence the weird record man what what year was that oh fuck probably like 2000 <clears throat> three four so ima imagine what that was like in 91 people were like what the fuck <laughs> yeah, yeah dude and and this oh. the your guys's style like being from the florida scene you guys are a standout yeah it was uh, it was uh we were outsiders for sure you know because it was weird to be a part of a scene 
almost like a Seattle movement, but it was a death metal movement in Tampa back in the day. But mm-hmm. I always tell people like, you know, as much as I'd love to be like, yeah, we were, we were part of the rat pack, but we weren't, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we were, but we weren't, you know, and within that rat pack of death metal bands that came out, the Deicide obituary, you know, all these guys that, that had a, uh, sort of a cohesive uh spirit together we were just kind of stuck outside so it was nasty savage you know nasty savage is a band that really was the were like the the uncles to us to all mm-hmm. of us mm-hmm. you know obituary morbid angel everybody they 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 were the they don't get enough credit for uh really sculpting the tampa scene you know tampa death metal scene because they you know they showed us like don't play covers play original music sell it mm-hmm. out of the back of your car play shows build people you know uh we watched them and we would all go to those shows back in the in the mid 80s we would go to the sunset club or or rubies and and uh and just and nobody really moshed back then it was all about headbanging so yeah. people would pile on like 15 people deep from the back of the club to the stage and just fucking headbang and nasty savage was crazy they had a show ronnie was crazy smash smashing tvs and and they had a but they for us we we really admire them because they musically had some really kind of intricate shit you know i mean their bass yeah. player they had a bass player named dezo bartha who roger loved and uh, he's a really good bass player and we just always had a feeling that bass was more important than a lot of metal was allowing except for bands like iron maiden but see steve harris was such a huge influence on us and getty lee and all these so it was always just woven into all of us that uh bass is not going to get buried in this band yeah. and but having a bass player like roger as he grew we realized wow man he would he, you know he would come up with these riffs that were like really hard for us to play on guitar there's no way to really do that and so we would orchestrate around it and that's what ended up you know sort of becoming a template for for the atheist mm-hmm. music where everybody was playing something different every now and then we would we'd line up and fucking crush and then we'd all separate and go off. And that's how an atheist song is. It's like, oh, my God, what is going on? Or pow, fucking, you know, it hits you for a middle. And then, and then everybody starts playing something different. But it's all working together. And that's, yeah, that's creation, you know, when you have strings and trumpets and, and you know. Sax. It sounds like a jazz style. Like, that's kind yeah, of well, it's, how it's jazz of that, works. It's of that spirit, you know. I mean, and uh, only much more violent. and Yeah. Uh, and probably less complex. You know, jazz is way harder to play. But we just did the best we could to to incorporate that sort of thing. We just thought once we did that and we got a reaction from the people that we respected, then we just kind of uh, built on that. And so songs like Peace of Time and I and Deny from the first album were songs that were uh, the first when we were first touching on this. Uh, and mer- oddly, Merciful Fate was a really big, <laughs> important part of uh, the song Satan's Fall for me was like, fuck. So, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not familiar with Merciful Fate too much, dude. So I'm, I gotta say, I know. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> dude, I love. Hey, go- hey, I, love- I but go- dude, I, I know ghosts, about Black dude. Sabbath. Don't worry. Okay, <laughs> oh my God! But you guys all kind of quieted up about Merciful Fate. Huh? No, no, I know, I know. Really no, I, no, no, it's a, no, no, no. It's a truth. It's a truth. King it's a truth. Merciful no, no, Fate. No, no, no. Huge yeah, difference, yeah. man. Huge difference. I mean, no, it totally, is. Totally. Uh, oh God. So okay. Please do me a favor, as as my new friends. Okay. After after this, please go back and listen to uh, "Don't Break the Oath." Okay. And yeah, uh, I've heard, yeah, I've heard Melissa. a long time ago though. I'm Fuck man. And well, you know, listen to them at a, at a decent volume. And I I, I just they, Satan's Fall is a I don't know how long it is, 
but it's uh, it's just got it's a journey. It starts one way, cruises through this middle section, and then ends a completely different way. And we were just like, nice. yeah, that was so cool, man. And I, you know, obviously we didn't pursue the high vocal thing. That was a King Diamond thing. That's his thing. He did it so well, and and we just loved it, man. It was like such an important part. Don't break the oath is a dark record, man. It's like even now when I listen to it, it still still gives me the creeps a little bit, which is hard, you know, because you kind of things that were creepy to you when you were younger today's music is so crazy and production has changed so much you know in, in the way that music is recorded these days that uh it, it's hard to play even our records don't sound as good as modern production you know what I, I think mean? if you've gone through that though if you've if you've lived through uh getting those productions and getting to like you know being 37 years old i'm old enough to have you know been very conscious of everything that was going on in the early 90s and right. all that stuff too so like i guess the when everything was you know not pro tools and more yeah. natural sound and and just like the best it could be at the time but you just get accustomed to how production was back then so now you know i love lo-fi I like to listen to demo as long as it's not, you know, sh fucking complete shit. Yeah. Piercing but, my but, but I mean, ear. Let's, I let's like to about, listen to old shit. Think about Celtic Frost, you know, I mean, Morbid Tales. Yeah. That's a shitty sounding record production wise. Mm -hmm. But if somebody changed that, I'd be fucking furious. Right. I don't, I don't oh. want to hear it with today's production. The, the charm of that record is, you know, like it's just dirty and nasty and, um, that's, that's kind of the, one yeah. of the things that not to, not to be a smoothly segue into my new band, but till the dirt, this new band that I have is a lot like that. You know I mean? I, I it's, 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 it's dirty. It's incorrect. It's not fucking, you know, it's flawed. It it's has heavy problems. as fuck though too. I'd... You know what I mean? It has problems and I like that. I mean, those problems cause tension and, and, uh, I'm so fucking excited about this band. I've been sitting on it for a year, but it's, you know, it's all music that I wrote over the course of COVID during the first lockdown and uh, where I was literally stuck at home. Um, and, you know, when we were talking about how weed influenced atheist, I actually never in my entire life ever drank cocktails at home. And, um, and I never ever wrote music after having a shot or, or, or drinking any alcohol at all. Mm -hmm. So COVID we were, we were stuck at home. And so I would have a couple of Jaeger bombs and I, I got a new studio set up to be able to record at home. And, uh, and that's where Tilda Dirt came from, man. It, it became this more violent, uh, erratic, um, you know, way different than atheist, but I don't know. There's moments that it, that you can tell it's the guy from atheist. I think you guys can say better than I can. I don't know. I'm close to it, but well, it's fresh. It's fresh because I was listening to it today, you know, in preparation for the, you know, the episode. Thank you. And, and, and I did listen to it when you sent it back to me a few weeks ago too, and I remember liking it then. Um, there's different. There, it seems like it seems like that it's a culmination of a lot of things that you've already not that you've already done, but like it. It's almost like a a homot What's the fucking word I'm looking for? homage homage oh, to your yeah, previous homage. work but like with a new twist on it because there's definitely like with your clean vocals yeah i could never do that, that with atheist like i would i would never just and it's not a disrespect to atheist but i just it's just atheist is is where it needs to be i wouldn't people uh you know 
some people don't know, you know, I have a, I have a singing voice, but it's uh, a, a, a good one too. Thank I, you. I appreciate it. But, it, but it's, uh, I couldn't do that in atheist because people, I think that would be intrusive. So mm-hmm. this comes out like, so you're, you're right. It is a, an homage to, to, to my qualities, so to speak. Like yeah. there's, um, there's dirty clean and then there's clean and there's full blown black metal moments, which I'm not a black metal guy in any way. Like I don't have any yeah, ties to black metal, but here's the thing. Like, if you're a real purist of death metal, you'll know that, uh, you know, my vocals come from Malay, from Creator, from Shmir, Destruction. Like mm-hmm. w- when I was getting started, I knew I could not go like, I, I didn't have a great deep, I didn't have that. I don't have, it's not as good as like Corpse and all those guys, you know what I mean? I've never been that guy. Yeah. But the high, high, and I always liked that higher witchy shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I was doing that a long time ago and then went away, came back in 2010 and sort of black, black metal wasn't around in the, in the, you know, late eighties necessarily, you know? And, uh, but that higher witchy kind of vocal became synonymous with black metal. So me coming back to that and, and just, you know, it's my, it's my world anyway, it has inadvertent black metal qualities because the, the music is very fast, way faster than atheist and, you know, uh, but but I'm also using a lot of, um, you know, some people have sort of said it's uh, sort of like Alice in Gothenburg. So it has a lot of uh, Seattle qualities and it has a yeah. lot, of, you know, it's like this. Um, and it, but it but it really happened honestly and and uh, purely because, uh, like I said, it was just it happened over a three month period. I wrote like 20 songs and uh, and recorded them all. I did all the guitars and everything. And then I pulled in a band later to re, you know, to to play the parts that I wrote on the demos. So I have the demos, and then we have the the album that we did. But I'm just super proud of it. Uh, and so that's all you. You wrote everything on yeah. the album. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I did. And uh, and the guys, you know, the guys in the band uh, that that are in the band with me now are the same guys that play with me in Atheist. So and they're all just monster musicians. Uh, can't say enough about them. They they just did the the cattle decapitation tour with me, uh, you know, before COVID happened, and uh, they play. You know, they're they're um, Berkeley kids, so they're they're fucking super smart, and they they I have a lot of respect for them, and uh, they play the atheist music amazingly. But whenever I had done the demos, I sent it to them. I was like, so I'm gonna start a new band. You know, will you guys be in the band? I didn't even want to go off and find anybody else, but but I did have a lot of guests on the album. Uh, mm-hmm. I have John Longstreth. Is, is playing drums on uh, Insistent Demand, and uh, Jeff Loomis does a great solo Jesus. on uh, Privilege, and then um, like, Jesus, I, I have uh, um, Kyle Sokol's playing bass on a song, and um, Steve DiGiorgio, we love Steve, Steve love, D. Yeah, he's been I don't on know who that is. Steve <laughs> yeah. D played on, on Outside the Spiral is the song that Steve D played on, and um, when I first did it, like, it happened in like a like in a three week period. I had these three songs, and so I sent it to Gene Hoagland. I sent it to Steve Giorgio. I sent it to Terrence from Suffo. I sent it to fucking all these different you know my my peers. You know people mm-hmm. I respect, and I knew that they would tell me the truth. You know they would be like, Nah, man. You know this is this is not good. But I was just like, this shit seems weird. You know this seems different. It's like a different kind of death metal. It's like a different kind of uh, not even a different kind of death metal, but just a you know, it's really extreme, but it's got these, you know, vocal qualities that are like, 
like if Lane Staley was in a death metal band. That's and then what all I was people. thinking, dude. Like, <laughs> Lane, I definitely. You know, it's like that. I don't mean it to be that way. But no, but it, that's what that way, you, know, you sing. Cool. However, your voice comes out. So if, it, you know, if you look back on my catalog, you'll see that it, I didn't borrow it from Lane. It's just some people have similar tones. No, you know? totally. And when you play, there's there's parts too that also make me feel like you know it's a mastodon kind of feel with your vocals over the riffs that you're singing. So oh, it's yeah. it's just like definitely not everybody. As much as I know those guys are probably good, I, I've never, I've only heard like a little bits and pieces of message. Just a feel. Like, I'm just saying like the vibe, not really necessarily yeah. like their riffing style or whatever, but I just get that. Like, I love Soundgarden kind of... and, and I love Seattle oh, yeah. so much. And That's I think awesome. that, I mean, I, 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 and I think a lot of death metal people love Seattle. And the, the yeah, good Seattle, yeah. not, not the we definitely do, dude. Casey's yeah, fucking yeah. huge on Grunge, yeah. bro. He, so he imagine actually... you combine those because they're both very underground and they're very dark and they're very uh, mm -hmm. polluted, and uh, you know what I mean. And, and but I I didn't I didn't mean for that to happen. But that's what I love about music. Like I I like I said I was at home. I was stuck at home. I have a at the time he was four years old. Uh, my wife is a bartender and she was working all night and I was like, so I would start a song at seven o'clock and by three, by the time she got home at 3 a.m., I would have all the guitars done, all the drums and uh, I was using loops, you know, like drum loops. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I got these, I found these really amazing drum loops and I, and so uh, next thing I had these songs and, and then Scott Burns became involved. So like I, uh, that's what really changed it. For me, it was like, um, you know, we hadn't talked in 25 years since back in the day. And uh, and so when we, we were when we first reconnected, we reconnected as a as a friend of ours named Tim Hubbard, a mutual friend. Tim Hubbard did all the old school DSI photos and obituary and atheist. And he's like the uh, local photo legend in, in yeah. Tampa. And he was like, you know, yeah, so you know scott you know he's scott's been very removed from the scene for all those years he went on to a different career in software and has had a lot of success but uh i was like oh man i want to i want to talk to scott i haven't talked to him in a long time so long story short we get on the phone and we're talking and, and having a great conversation just talking about things that i wish that everybody in the world could hear because they were <laughs> like scott burns has seen the earth be created yeah. you know if, if you're a, if you're a death metal fan and you love the, the globe of death metal scott burns was there for each nook and cranny fucking mm -hmm. up and he created you know literally a fly on the wall for all of your favorite old school death metal records not only a fly on the wall but you know mixing the you know creating bringing it to yeah, a fruition reality enough about him like uh just yeah. such an important fucking so important to i'd love to have him on here dude He's oh, your yeah. homie, dude. Maybe we can talk about it after the show. Let's. Yeah. So, so like when the Till the Dirt record comes out, fucking, uh, he'll be he'll be doing some press. So I'll definitely fucking, you know, he's gonna help. We should have like Steve so DiGiorgio, anyway, Scott I, Burns, and fucking so cool, Kelly right? Schaefer on yeah, for we'll, a fucking episode. That will be killer. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. With, yeah, what's yeah, the so. name of the song on the music video? I saw it a bit ago, and I like I can't remember what the name was, but it's really cool that uh. There, there's a demo version of uh, Outside the Spiral. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Steve, Steve DiGiorgio actually did the album version of that, and I'm real excited about it. He oh, plays, a, he plays okay. a, fret, a fretless bass on it, so it, it gives yeah, it a little yeah. different vibe, And but it's called Outside the Spiral. That's the name of the album. And nice. um, so we have some some really big announcements coming up with that really, really soon. I wish it I could sounds like really share huge. with it, like but really it's going to be, like... be, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I think it's going to make a, you know, really, really good impact it's fresh and it's different and it's new it's modern so when i when i when i said to scott on that conversation i was like hey man i have some new music and he was like oh man 
he, <laughs> it, he, he told me later he didn't i didn't know this at the time but he told me later he was like oh we had such a good conversation you know and i didn't want to you know it's hard when and i understand this completely uh people go oh yeah we, we check out my new band and i'm if you're a brutally honest person and scott is and i am i can't i can't lie to you like if you play mm-hmm. me something that sucks man i'm gonna be like oh, i'm sorry man you know that shit's out of gas and and people get mad about that and think fuck you you know and it's like well don't ask me then you know i mean yeah. I, I you know i mean it's i'm just giving you my opinion you're the one that mm-hmm. asked for it and so mm-hmm. so scott was like worried that i was going to send him some subpar shit and uh when he got the demos he was like you know uh, you know in it to paraphrase him it was just essentially he was like hey, i just feel like this is something different and new and it made him want to want to dip you know stick his toe back in the pool of of what was going on That's not not, not in not in continuance but as one last ride with an old school friend myself mm-hmm. and uh somebody that's you know we've we've made a um you know we made two amazing records together yeah you know, a piece of time and a questionable presence and uh here we are 30 some odd years later and it and he he just felt like it you know uh if it had been like just rehashed it's just me sort of doing what i do with atheist like he definitely wouldn't have been interested uh, yeah, you know, as, as he said, but it's got a lot of just things you're not supposed to do. The Till the Dirt record has things you're not supposed to do. Like I'm not supposed to sing the melodies over the top of blast beats that, yeah. I, that I am on the record. You know, there's some crazy shit. And John Longstreet's drums on on the song called Insistent Demand are, are really um, just. I I really wanted him to. I knew that the song structures were something that John was never really typically involved with. With, with you know with origin and all that it's very you know uh, there's there's no melodic vocals sort of happening ever mm-hmm. and i wanted i wanted him to be out of his comfort zone you know so i sent him the music uh and i sent him like a a, a demo drum track and um he didn't get it at first and so he just uh he, he created uh one set one way of of playing the song and and i was like oh did you get the demo and he was like no i didn't get the example and once he got it he just played in a way that I don't feel like he's played uh, in, on any other song ever. If you're a Longstreet fan, and I am, mm-hmm. uh, I was super proud to, to have him on the record. And Jeff Loomis, I mean, like, oh, uh, yeah. so we, you know, he was, I think, uh, as he told me a story that he, uh, when he was 15 years old, he came to see us in Milwaukee uh, at the Milwaukee Metal Fest with Cynic and uh, us and uh, I don't know, uh, other bands have played, Broken Hope, I think, played that. And it was way back in the day, Eric Greif, who was a uh, desk manager, he, uh, rest in peace, he uh, he um, just died recently. But he was the promoter of that. And um, so, and, and there's just been, a, there's so much history. I find myself, I, I sound like one of those old fishermen. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like, we're <laughs> One cruise, I caught that fish. It was that big. <laughs> I cast myself sounding like the old fisherman, man. <laughs> nice. So funny. Anyway, I have a question. A lot for of you cool shit. I, I, was, I, I know that you're like from the the old school and stuff, and you're you know talking about you know you got to know these bands before you know these bands. Is there any new bands nowadays? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, coming from where you come from, and you you've seen the whole evolution of the whole genre <laughs> shift into a certain thing. Is there a, a lot of band? really good ones? Uh, Igor. Yeah. Fucking oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, uh, as I spoke of before, Animals as Leaders, I think, fucking brilliant. Totally. You know, like definitely amazing, breaking new ground. You know, making new, making me feel differently. Um, definitely. Oh Jesus, there's so many. I mean, I actually am a huge Deftones fan. I really me feel too. like you know I'm they obsessed. don't get 
<laughs> they don't give enough gore to me it was like fucking beautiful i loved record. gore everyone talks crap about it it's one of my so favorite good, I love man. It. yeah there are moments on gore that are just devastating man and and then uh and then then super beautiful and there's nothing wrong with that metalheads need to get the fuck over that like right uh, yeah you know that emotion exists in you don't pretend like totally. it doesn't you know and chino has a lot of balls to do what he does and uh take people on that journey and it's hard to do man because he's standing on a real quiet street corner you know what i mean like going uh all right i'm still doing my thing it's chino and um i fucking respect it a lot i love that and gojira you know i've watched gojira's we played with them in 2007 and uh we were sitting backstage and heard them for the first time and uh, we were like holy shit the fuck is that, that? That, live, that live show is insane man it's like one of the well yeah so things. in 2007 even they were impressive but these days yeah. i mean they're they're you know i can't say enough about them i just think they're really gonna be i mean you hate to say things like the next metallica but i think they're gonna have that kind of lasting impact because they're making their each record becomes bigger and bigger you know but they're also yeah. didn't they know, open for metallica too they did yeah metallica yeah. took yeah. them out that was a huge thing and but they have i mean to see them i just saw them live recently and Oh, we're just you know, I mean, just it's some of those nasty. rips. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's as devastating as it as it needs to be. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, how much can you blow something up? Uh, you know, it's just I, I I think they came up with something really. They have their own sound. Um, you know, and there's probably a ton that I'm forgetting, but I just like shit that's played well. It's yeah, good. You know, and uh, I I um actually like things that Code Orange has done a lot. I'm not really into sort of hardcore. Mm-hmm that yeah. much you know and, and maybe they're not considered that hardcore but knock loose and code orange i think have moments of uh is there a mountain dew code orange <laughs> <laughs> they're shitty yeah, now he's that gonna be here cool. all week <laughs> Try to <video>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no That's i love funny. it i just you know i mean i think i listen to serious radio a lot and i try to you know just uh over the last year i was just trying to like because once I made the Till the Dirt record before that, I I didn't I wasn't listening to any modern metal in the last two years prior to that. So once I finished that record, I was like, where the fuck is this going to fit in? And uh, so uh, while riding around um, during COVID, I was, uh, and I'm delivering food, you know, because when you can't tour, you have to do shit. So <laughs> delivering food, I'm riding around the car listening to music all day and uh, listening to did it, you know, to to modern releases. I really think Ginger is a fucking good band. Like I think, yeah, yeah. I think musically, like, I mean, aside her vocals are great and unique, but musically, those guys are fucking playing. You know what I mean? Definitely. They're they're playing some shit there, man, and uh, it shouldn't that doesn't need to go unnoticed. So even though they're getting a lot of popularity and there's a lot of people in social media love to just pile on and bash, <laughs> and but I think they're fucking good, man. So, yeah yeah oh definitely yeah people can think that's i'm cool, a dork man. or whatever i like them i yeah. think they're fucking great no no I, dude, we're, that's what as i get older dude i don't give a fuck what people think about yeah, what yeah. i listen to dude like isn't it funny how how this this culture is uh you know in in one 24-hour period you can say the wrong shit and uh and everybody goes wrong fucking mm-hmm. dork you know and it's like uh but i don't care either i mean i, I really don't i have uh you know stand behind my choices like yeah i, I like uh you know like a lot of things that are i think that uh you know it's funny how people crush slipknot and you can't listen to those old slipknot records and tell me it's it's just pussy shit. it's just oh it's fucking soft yeah yeah no, no. Dude. there's nine fucking maniacs on stage fucking <laughs> getting after it yeah. yeah so you can say what you want fucking in your mom's basement but fucking yeah. 
you, you, where's your band? You know, it's usually you, jealousy. You want, you want to follow them? You want to get on stage and follow those nine? Yeah, it's lunatics, jealousy you know? so, after that. They blew up so quickly. A lot of people are jealous. They're, they're yeah, like, what the fuck? Why are nothing they wearing a bunch of masks? 17 year old kid in his mom's fucking house, fucking talking <laughs> shit. You know, that's right. yeah, not fucking metal. Shut <laughs> up. Fuck you off, dude. That's the whole, guys, that, they're, yeah. They were one of my uh, stepping stone bands Me to too. get to yeah. death. My, fr- my friend like... fucking Monty Connor fucking signed those guys. And we got no a lot of Monty shit. Connor. Yeah. Shout out to Monty. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, Monty was somebody who also was uh, supportive of Till the Dirt. So so I've got a lot of really good people, um, you know, sort of behind this uh, this new band. I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Not to take you back to that no it's okay but it no. is, it's hey, my it's my next thing and it, and it really is I, I hope that people will check it out because it's uh it's honest as fuck and it's like i said it's imperfect but it's it's brutal and um you know you guys uh, you guys have heard some of it yeah i've I mean, listened to all of yeah. it and um it makes me continue to pay attention great yes yeah, man. It's all awesome. I can ask, it man. kind of yeah, reminded man. me of jerry Cantrell a bit at parts you know Really? Stoked on that. Never heard a Jerry yeah. Control record fucking like that. I, I... No, I know. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about the Allison Chains, you know. Allison like, Chains, yeah. Well, Jerry's Control well, solo I, records are, yeah. are pretty, uh, I don't know, I guess, folkier. Yeah, 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 yeah totally, yeah. totally. I just feel like yeah, your yeah. voice on those part was cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, um, you know, I, I, I think that com- when you combine those two dreary fucking movements of music, not dreary in a bad way, but just dark, gloomy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they have a lot of similarities that I that I think haven't been bridged enough. You know, yeah. but yeah, there are Mastodon. Um, uh, the the stuff that I have heard, I can see where you would where you would say something like that. Like, uh, but only not. And I, when I'm talking about that, it was like literally one section of one song. I got yeah, like just the same vibe. But I mean, really, it's like I couldn't really pinpoint everything too, which is also a good thing, which right. shows that it you know it's got a fresh <laughs> thing going on. That it's kind of like it keep kept me on my toes while I'm at work, you know, cool. and and I was having a great time with it. And and there's some heavy as fucking shit stuff. I think heavy vocally, as I, shit uh, stuff, dude. That's the fucking heavy. sick wording. Your moniker, right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's it Thanks, was like, dude. oh, dude, I'm I'm fucking. You know that involuntary headbang that happens, dude, and you're like, "Oh yeah, dude." You hope that it happens. As a musician, you hope you get that out of people when they. Yeah, listen. and I got I got a few of those on the record, some, dude. So uh, I, I it's a pretty nasty record, it. man. I I, I hopefully hopefully it'll be out before the end of this year, and mm-hmm. uh, but certainly um, super proud of it, and uh, it's gnarly, fucking. Yeah, record. yeah. So, can we go back again? Sure. <laughs> All right. So Take uh, back, man. right Take on, back, brother. So after, so like, talk about some like tours that were happening around the unquestionable presence era, and 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 obviously, we're, I I would like to touch on you know what happened with you guys when Roger passed away and all that stuff. Yeah, it was ninety one. Uh, that was our our sort of first time out there uh touring it was with Candlemas. so it's interesting to talk about it now because you can really see <laughs> just how fucking weird that is uh knowing <laughs> Candlemas and knowing atheists like what a what a polar opposite tour that is you know i mean uh, and, but we had a great time together and it, uh, and it worked it was fun yeah. and uh, we love those guys man but they're you know uh, it was hard for us People were coming there to see Candlemas. They weren't coming to see us. They kind of heard, maybe, you know, they might have read a, an article here and there, but definitely they were so confused by us. 
but you know in some cities we had success and i remember in minneapolis back in uh, back in that time uh you know it was it was a city that sort of there were certain cities that kind of got it but for the most part we were <laughs> we were just playing in front of people they were like the hell <laughs> and, uh you know if you're a doom metal fan right and you hear atheist and you've never heard our album and you're standing in front of us and uh you know it was probably a mess for them you know <laughs> but we had a good time and, and uh it was a lot of fun and so uh there was another two you know after you know after that tour was over we were in california and uh we had to get home we had to drive this van all the way back to florida we had to try to get there in less than three days to save like a day's you know rent on the on the van which seems so insignificant now after losing roger but our our driver the main guy that drove our whole thing you know he drove as long as he could and he got real tired and uh another guy started driving and he only drove for a short time but he was not a good driver and he, he uh he crashed when we were all sleeping it was like 10 30 in the morning in nor just outside of new orleans and uh so we lost roger and i got i got fucked up with arm and my leg and so it was you know it was tragic man it was uh my best friend i lived you know we we were roommates and uh he was just a uh unknowing genius you know mm -hmm. unknowing br brilliant player but just natural like you know not uh had zero idea of like if i can't imagine what he would think of the impression that he has had on metal like right he, he was just uh you know when you talk about spicoli it's mm -hmm. not unlike Roger's personality where he was just like, ah, dude, you got a cigarette, you know, yeah. smoke a joint, man, you smoke a joint. Everything was just, he was just, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a job. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't care about anything but playing bass and, uh, and smoking out and smoking cigarettes and, and talking about metal. And, uh, and I love that. It's like, it was such an honest, pure metal head, you know, that's hard to come by these days, you know? Right. And, uh, and he just wanted to be good, you know, he wanted to be a good bass player and, and uh, you know, an original dude, his, his playing style is so unique. He also had that, that those roots in, in, in older shit as well. You know, he oddly his one of his favorite bass players was Gene Simmons, who was hmm, definitely, wow. definitely not a good bass player. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like how the fuck is that? But he, uh, but you know, I was listening to some, uh, I don't know what song it was, but. Gene, I guess Gene, for the most part, is a shitty bass player, but he had a couple of moments, and I think those moments inspired Roger mm -hmm. to uh, to get into Getty Lee and and Steve Harris, and and uh, he was, but he was also a punk rock kid, you know. He had a lot of influence in uh, in punk, but uh, his technicality just came from a really honest place. There was nobody, play, you know, opening riff a piece of time is, um, you know, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, even. 30 plus years later, like I just remember him coming to practice and playing. And I remember vividly, and I was just going, uh, uh, songs like I deny, you know, that opening bass line and I deny is like something I always can completely have a picture of in my head. Well, me just going, I, I can't play that. We, you know, me and Rand both were like, I, I don't even know what because it was just the way he played with his fingers. He had such uh, attack. Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of guys that are really finesse players, you know, and they play their ass off and, you know, tapping and all that shit. He was a, he was fucking pounding yeah. and executing. 
you know, like and, and all over the stage too. There's some videos yeah, yeah. that I love to find of you guys back in that era where I'm and like, he would bang it out so hard that at the end of the show he would have red marks on his neck. Really? Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that if he had continued, if he had continued that sort of headbanging through his whole life, he would have some fucking issues, man. Because it was it was a lot like some serious head trauma. I mean, so much. <laughs> I mean, so, like I said, so much. I mean, they were. I've never seen anybody get like red marks on their neck where he was breaking blood vessels from just fucking banging it out. Yeah. He really meant it, you know. I mean, he he really meant it, and he was, uh, you know, he was just uh, one of those brilliant fucking guys man and totally dude tough, you know? and didn't those relapse reissues have some drum and bass only yeah. tracks from the recorded dude yeah. do yourself a favor and go listen to that so you can yeah. really get the front row of roger playing with and also Steve, dude. to appreciate that even more is uh you know something about recording back in those days that's different than today is those mm -hmm. are those are live drums yep you know what i mean yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. A, a live take to of a top to bottom of, of a bass take like he might have done it you know three or four times but that top to bottom thing with the we, maybe a couple of exceptions um you know those are really something you don't hear a lot today everything's done in pieces bits and pieces uh and you can digitally move things around you know that was all uh analog and you know we would we would play uh, you know to record the drums you know we would maybe play through the song two or three times live and uh, you know, and Steve would pick one of those takes, and uh, you know, we would move forward. And and so the bass lines, a lot of the bass lines we kept. We wanted that live feel because that was where we were at our best. So we, you know, he would just go in and touch up a couple of other things, you know. And so uh, you know, I I think that gets lost in the in the mm -hmm. spirit of why uh, why old school death metal is kind of, you know, it's important if you're a new metalhead or a recent. You know, in the last 10 years, you just kind of discovered that, you know, metal's really important. Go back and, and imagine how hard it was to have to nail drums top to bottom without being able to, you know, fix it on your computer or, you know, yeah. that. you couldn't do it, man. You could get, if you're in a four minute song like Mother Man, if anybody knows Mother Man, the song. Fucking killer song. You could oh, play yeah. that three minutes and 50 seconds really well, but if you fucking shit the bed ah. in the last 10 seconds, fuck. Yeah, now you got yeah. to go back and start it all over again and do it and hope that you get the same, you know what I mean? And uh, you can't say enough about how hard that is. It's fucking, and, and to get what we got, uh, you know, today you could, you know, you don't have to go through that. You could just be like, bing, 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 and somebody fixes it for you. And well, yeah. I'm really glad I found the footage of Steve Flynn playing. I think, is it tracking the album? There's some yeah, footage more sound. out of more sound recently. And those are some of my favorite finds on YouTube recently because. I like worship those drum tracks and I was like, mm -hmm. Fuck, cool. it actually being recorded. That's so sick. Um, yeah, I always love watching I, things like that from other bands, you know, I always bring up uh, kind of, I guess you'd call it like the verse riff from unquestionable presence as like no band today would like be able to write this because you can't like count it to a grid. It's kind of like master of puppets has the same thing where it's like in between like, uh, uh, seven, eight, and nine, eight, or whatever. I forget oh, listen, the exact count. If, if you yeah. know, you're this is funny that you bring this up because it's, it's, um, you know, it's a thing like uh, we never used a click track. So when you listen to early atheist records, none of those records are done to a click. So they're breathing and moving and they're living organisms. And, and, and that's, you know, that's the way it is live too. And I think, you know, there's something to be said about the quality of that. And, and I think, um, modern metal listeners are kind of getting tired of hearing that perfect 
to the, you know, uh, perfectly timed, you know, everything's done to a click and, and it's all quantized and, and just all nice and, and easy and perfect. And uh, when you go back and you listen to those old records, I think your ears interpret it to your brain and it makes you feel differently. I mean, maybe I'm weird and maybe I'm just kind of overanalyzing mm -hmm. it, but I think that, but I, I think there's a, re a refreshing, even though the quality isn't the same, I think there's a refreshing um, side to um, people listening to to songs slow, you know, slow, speed up and slow down. Because if you were, to, yeah. you know, there's there's a thing on YouTube. I'm sure you guys have seen uh, where you, they they try to put a click track to "Running with the Devil" uh, from Van Halen and uh, and song, you know, classic songs that you love, and uh, and they quantize them. And when you quantize them, you listen to it, and it's like don't dan don't dan, you know, like "Running with the Devil" becomes really stupid sounding. Yeah, and uh, you kind of appreciate the the idea of not being a slave to a click track but you know it does save a lot of money these days when you're making a record if you do things to a click because you can move shit around and and you can arrange things there's a lot of great qualities to modern recording so i'm not bashing it but i'm just saying it's people today in the last 20 years if you're a musician yeah. you've been recording for the last 20 years and you don't know how it was back then uh you know you might find it interesting to know that those those were difficult <laughs> i mean i there there's a mistake on piece of time you used to have to in order to get clean breaks, you would have to punch, you know, you'd have to mute each track uh, that, that you wanted everything to break on. So there were times where Scott Burns was on uh, guitars, Steve would be on his toms, you know, and and, and, we, and everybody had to hit hit the break. And so there's a song, um, Room With A View. There's a, mm -hmm. a very end, there's a heavy part where it's like, gun, gun, gun. <clears throat> it, we were supposed to let off the, to, to bring it all back in and we missed it just by a nanosecond so it's mm -hmm. a fucking huge mistake that's always been there for all these years but every time i listen to it i'm like Fuck. i know the exact <laughs> part yeah that's funny yeah. i never realized it was like kind of mistaken i just was like absolutely that's a mistake cool sounding that sounds sick like what, we how no, do that yeah it's like we, you know and, and some people probably listen to that and thought oh how fucking tech they waited just an extra second punch incorrectly man you know so uh that's always funny me and scott talk about shit like that all the time like you know because you know we didn't have any more money either if if and that's the thing about scott burns that i you know, back to him again is uh all those you know sepultura beneath the remains never would have got done without scott burns never would have been completed there was no way i mean he went to great links and great sacrifice to Brazil, back here to Tampa, uh, you know, to, to make that happen, did it for, you know, next to no money, you know, well, definitely wow. no money. And um, always came in uh, a couple hours early and stayed a couple hours late on his own time at the studio. Otherwise, we never would have got those things finished. And uh, that mistake that we were just talking about that's in Room of the View, uh, we couldn't fix it because we were out of time. We were out of money. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that was it. We had $7,200 to make piece of time. And then we had to buy We had to pay Ed Repka for the cover. And that was fifteen hundred bucks, so it's not a lot of money to make a record, uh, you know. And um, at a hundred bucks an hour, that's what you know the studio used to be back then. <laughs> so uh, we did it all like seven days. Plus, we had to play for a you know hotel for us all to stay at for for a week, and so that, that money got eaten up quick. But yeah, it was just different times. So I mean, uh, but I love you know I love making music in modern times, you know. So I'm not one of those guys. It's like you know get off my lawn with your fucking new shit. I love. <laughs> You know, totally and no you've already shown that you are definitely down with the new shit i love you know there's so many um, i can't believe the the level of musicianship compared to when we were kids 
you know, and I, it's like a dream really for me. I just love watching. I love a great musician. I'll never be a hater, you know, on, on, you know, like, Oh man, that's, you know, I, we're, you know, our music was, you know, technical in a time where it wasn't that way, but there are bands today playing that fucking, there's no way I could play that shit. I mean, they're incredible, you know, just, and I'm proud of them. I'm proud of the modern technical metal. I just think that I tip my hat to these guys that just guitar players, bass players, drummers, like just otherworldly shit that they're, you know, I, I didn't even expect it to get to that level, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's nice because that's what needed to happen because in the very early stages of, of death metal, man, it was a lot of knuckle dragon shit. Yeah. Know? It was real messy and really underplayed. And, and that was the thing that really kind of bothered us. And that's why we leaned in that other, we leaned on those other influences and pulled mm -hmm. that in with, we love that eerie, deep, dark shit. We were like, ah, we got to clean this up a little bit and play it. You know, we loved Yes and complicated shit, too, you know, and Rush and combine those things. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that's weird. And uh, then you had Atheism. Who, who brought the, the Latin influence, if there was oh, any? Uh, it was Tony Choi, always, absolutely. Yeah, it was Tony Choi. Well, actually, yeah. you know, that's not fair because we used – Steve took one of the one of the – turning points in, in atheist technicality was Steve Flynn took some Latin drum lessons, um, mm -hmm. Latin jazz drum lessons for about six months. And in that time, Steve's a really smart guy and he, uh, you know, learned a lot of shit in a short amount of time. And he was very, uh, you know, practiced every single day. And so he used a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, he started using it in timbales. You know, uh, using these yeah, yeah, bodies, yeah. which was, wasn't really ever used in uh, in metal, and and so he was really kind of so he was he introduced it, and then Tony Choi, you know, obviously just that was his natural way of being. So when we did Elements, you know, Steve Flynn wasn't involved, but uh, Tony had a you know a huge role in that Latin vibe of that record, um, mm. and we, we you know we wrote that record in such a short amount of time that there was really no time to think about it or even think about the fact that it had all those Latin qualities until. You know, years later, looking back on it, but yeah, man. Was that around in Florida at the time? Like, uh, what do you mean? Just living in Florida, was there? I mean, I'm imagining maybe some Cuban influence or something, just from the cultural, or that's maybe just me not knowing too much. No, I mean Tony's from Miami, so okay. if you ever been to Miami, it's you know huge, huge Cuban population or that Cuban vibe, and uh, Tony's just always had a natural. Um, no, he is Cuban. So you know, he's a, okay. so he has that you know that just that natural sort of uh, thing that he brought in, and and then once I, I sort of knew that I mean we we were friends you know obviously uh, you know the Senate guys and us and I lived with Paul Masvidal for a short period of time I lost, I was homeless for a minute and I needed to go to Miami so I lived with Paul and uh, he was kind enough to take me in and but Tony's just uh, has a natural ability to, to you know natural rhythm and Steve obviously had those early lessons so you know mm -hmm. when when you know steve, when we played together when they played those things from from the records uh, where steve was using his latin influence steve or tony automatically had a kind of a different vibe than maybe roger would have and um so yeah it's a you know there's not a lot of latin it's definitely not on jupiter as much i don't think mm -hmm. i don't think there's really any latin shit going on. well there might be i don't know it's hard i you know you kind of get um kind of forget the things until you go back and listen to them again. You know, it's like watching a movie you haven't seen in a really long time. Yeah. 
We got some homies, uh, a band called Flub. I'll send you the link later uh, to follow up. But I think the new record there is the continuation of some of that. I've been talking about this recently with people. So, so there's a Ooh. couple bands that are trying to take off that uh, trend that was in early tech metal, but didn't really pick up as much as other, like the neoclassical thing got big in tech for a while. And yeah, so. The drummer, the, the drummer who played on Elements, his name is Josh Greenbaum. Was uh he was only in the band for he was only he only had two weeks to work on that album with us, and, okay. um, yeah. and he was River Phoenix's drummer. So before River Phoenix oh. died, and uh, we were in Gainesville when we were doing that, and um, we uh, we stayed up there for two months at the, at the studio with uh, Mark Pinsky, the guy who worked with Frank Zappa, and so we loved the studio and we were excited about you know working with him, you know coming from Morrison away from Scott into this new guy. I don't know, we were just it just seemed like the the thing to do at the time and uh but it was our first digital record that we'd ever made but when we uh i had worked in the first two weeks we had only 40 days to write that album the first two weeks i was working with a guy and it just wasn't kind of working and then um tony became involved and then we got josh i had seen josh Greenbaum play i was recording with neurotica in gainesville that's where i first found out about that studio and went to like this jazz improv night uh, and it's a college town, so there was a lot of young music happening, and uh, I was young as well. So, we, and then I saw Josh play, and they and they were just literally improving their ass off and fucking playing some super crazy tech shit. I was like, you know, can you do this? Can you do this gig? You know, and he said, yeah. And then in two weeks, man, he, you know, took what we already had, and then we wrote the rest of the of the album in the last two weeks, and then recorded it, uh, you know, and did all that stuff in forty days, and and there's a lot of complexity to it and so it was a really special as much as some people have a, a, a an indifference with elements uh you know i invite people to go back and listen to it there's a lot of really interesting shit on the record i fucking love yeah. that right i mean i love it all dude but elements definitely oh, is dude. another thing where i'm like oh, but you know God. what i mean like some people are like meh you know it's kind of the no I didn't yeah, screw that. Like, I don't yeah dude great. I mean, they're all they're all different yeah, and have their own you know yeah, definitely different voice and and with elements though it's like even the cover art too i dude before i had kids yeah, cool. like I, I was gonna get that artwork on my arm because i thought <laughs> it was such a sick fucking picture dude and it's yeah, like it, it has meaning too it's like yeah, earth it's being scene. attacked by all the elements and shit mm -hmm. you're just like that was a weird thing too lyrically uh i'd never written um i'd never written song titles or written lyrics around song titles so I usually write lyrics and then find the song title in the lyric, but uh, because of it, everything happened so quickly and all the music was done and, and uh, so ahead of time, I was just you know me and Rand were riding up to the studio in his car and we started talking about elements, you know, and fire, earth, air, water. But then you know I didn't think about how hard that would be to write lyrics about, you know, how do you write mineral? How do you write lyrics about mineral? You know, like. And so you had to, I had to find a way to, to sort of get, you know, sort of speak from the, from the, uh, from the perspective of earth, if, if earth could speak, you know, how, you know, and then I was just so, and then I kind of got interested in it and water and, you know, there's a lot of really cool, cool lyrics in there that I, I feel very third person to because it, again, because it happened so quickly and it happened in such a weird way that I almost feel like I, I wasn't involved. So I can mm. appreciate, I kind of appreciate it in a different way. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird thing. You, you know, when you get older, you do get removed from the process of it, and you can be actually 
not a fan, but you can you can appreciate your music in a different way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure Paul McCartney looks back on old Beatles records and goes, "Oh, you know, that's fucking yeah. good." You know? I have an e- <laughs> I have an easier time listening to old music that I've done too. I was actually just talking to Casey about this recently. Like with Servile, I I didn't really um, like my performance at the time. You know, I thought I could have done better. Things were happening in life, and I was just like. I recorded it in two different sections and I was in one headspace for the first, you know, the four songs. And then I, I was in a different headspace for the rest of the album. And uh, it's because my grandma passed away and I just, you know, yeah, but um, so that being in my mind, like knowing that I wasn't in the same headspace made me critique myself in the wrong way by listening to that album. Cause I would, I would like, that album was branded with that negativity at the time you know but now i've had enough time away from it and i've I've, you know i see all these people appreciate it through the show and i'm just like okay maybe i should go back and listen to it and i listen those are honest things you know because when things happen to you uh you know music is sort of an exhaust pipe so Mm -hmm. you know all that shit goes through your motor and comes out the exhaust pipe and, and, and as long as you can process i mean that's one of the great things about playing music is you can process all those those feelings and in a way yeah. that other people can't, you know, and uh, you can get it out of you in, in, in the form of music. So yeah, totally. right on. Well, I, yeah, I would just like to say like, gr- like growing up for us, like, I mean, I think I heard atheist, God, it must've been like the early two thousands for the first time or like, in, like finishing high school. And uh, man, like it was like, we loved all the, like, like we, 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 we would change out like elements and put on, you know, all the different ones, like, you know, like, like put on piece of time and stuff. And, and like we we just change them out and like we thought you guys were so like creative and like like just Thanks, you you would do do all these different things and like like elements to us just made sense we're like oh of course atheists would do something amazing like this <laughs> but there's uh, some you know weird moments man that it took a you know it took a minute for you know to, for especially the the latin thing yeah. you know i don't think there was a whole lot of that especially you know a, a piece like samba brisa is like yeah was way outside the bounds i think people were like what yeah. the fuck is that but i mean we you know we really loved that you know and there weren't there you know there were people that those, that was in a period where mm-hmm. there's a there was a trickling of technical stuff happening we just thought well this sound you know we're, we want to make a piece that is literally just like sounds like a jazz band came in here and fucking played it you know yeah. and uh it was yeah, very yeah. uh you know, and tony Choi had a you know a large role in in, in getting that rolling i wanted to have interludes in between each song and um and so tony you know sort of got that together with dave smadbeck played piano on that and frank emmy uh did a great job on the guitar solo and it just turned into this cool ass thing that you know that just kind of fell together really quick but but it uh you know it separated us from you know a couple of other bands that were kind of dipping their toe in technical metal we were like listen man you know, you know, it's just that spirited competition we we all had when we were back in the day. I think in the in the early days of Tampa metal and stuff. You know, I think it's so rad that you guys were just so like like original though, like doing your thing, and you were just atheist. It was just so sick. Like we always, yeah. like I mean, it was not like, a lot of fun though, man. It was rough back then. We didn't get the same opportunities, man. It sucked. You know, I mean, I, oh, it's man. cool now to look back yeah. and be like, man, I'm glad we held our, you know, we we stuck to our guns and everything. But fuck, mm-hmm. man, it was really hard to get on a tour. You know, it was really hard to find yeah. anybody to tour with. So, um, but I mean, it all works out for the for the best. I mean, here we are, all these yeah. years later, we're having we're talking about things, and and it matters to you guys and, and you're oh, from yeah. a different generation, and 
yeah it's a good thing man it's hard to do it's hard to, to do anything art wise to um that lasts you know that, that yeah. matters to anybody after a couple of years you know especially these days you know i i, I listened to all the four albums like so i'm grateful in the last couple of days again just for fun thanks man <laughs> it was just, it was just <laughs> i've heard them so many times but i've been and i've heard jupiter before too but i like went over it again and i was like holy shit dude there's some cool so shit on that record good, man dude. i mean God. people are sleeping on that fucking shit because so because good. it came out and they were like oh that's a modern production and we don't like it. and it's like i love what it. are we gonna do uh, go in 2010 and make a record uh, it still that, sounds raw and sick dude it doesn't yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds not only that good. it's like it's its own thing too each yeah, album sure, yeah, by atheist record. is its own it's thing it's like dope. atheist is one of those yeah. bands that is like the last album is not gonna really not sound gonna like this album you know it's like they that, progress through cool. their career and that's that's one of the biggest standout things with atheists the originality and how they keep you know taking chances go through and doing what they want to do at that time as a band when they do a record and that's something to hang your hat on you know what i mean and it's hard to find things to hang your hat on with with metal and, and uh you know it's, everybody's doing you know everybody's moving and it's like traffic you know, there's like tons of traffic, you know, and if you could find a side road and get away and, you know, uh, and, and yeah. sort of create a different path and it's, yeah. it's a blessing. So I'm grateful that, you know, but again, I, you know, I can't help but think about uh, how I wish that it had been different. I wish people had the same open minds that they have now, mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, and yeah. just and being able to understand that it's okay to combine influences. But you got to think of it like this way. Sorry to cut you off. It, it was you guys who paved the way for people to having more open mind they were introduced to this stuff that i love to use the metaphor all the fucking regular listeners are going to be like oh here he goes but downloading software with listening brain software so an atheist album comes with new software <laughs> for your but you don't realize it, you need to be upgraded to be, be able to accept it so it's like the first few yeah. listens are, are the uploading process and then boom you got the software and it fucking clicks and one then of the, that one of the things that's really tough about atheists is when you get reviewed by a magazine um when you were talking about you know it takes it it, it takes a couple of listens mm -hmm. to kind of to, to, to mm -hmm. be able to get into an atheist record and i think that was one of the the, the misconceptions not misconceptions but from from people that were reviewing the record and they were getting it two weeks before it comes out this really happened a lot with Jupiter, and yeah. um, you know there were moments where people were writing, uh, "Well, it sounds like uh, these guys have been listening to Mudvayne." What a fucking insult! You know, right. get the fuck out of here. Do your homework, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we we, we sit around and listen to Mudvayne. Are you kidding me? Like, you know, we we've, we've oh. always been like, uh, and it's nothing against Mudvayne. It's just like, but my vocal style. I'd be do you you know go back and listen to the records, man. You know, maybe. Uh, Maybe dude from Mudvayne got his shit from from right. cre creator and destruction, and maybe even atheist. You know, so I hate when people are inaccurate that way because, especially if you're a writer, because they're getting the record before the general public. And these days, you know, shit goes viral, and, and for two weeks, people, yeah, I heard that record sucks. You know, or, yeah, you know, I read that it's this, I read that it's that, and and then people go, yeah, I'm not going to check it out, and it really does affect the way it people. It does. They become like a gatekeeper they have like power over but they, what here's the what movies. they do they, they got to do they got to do six reviews before the end of the week uh, the yeah. record company sent them you know this record from this band this record from that band and they, so they listen to atheist one time and they go what the fuck you know sounds like they they sound confused and the guy sounds like this from mudvayne and and then they print it 
and then everybody reads it and goes, oh, fuck yeah, I heard the new atheist is not good, you know, and it's like, just so, I invite people to, you know, just go, spend some time with, with each record, and, and I think you'll find some, some things that you've never, you know, experienced before musically, even, totally, you know, dude. so, yeah, but thank you guys for, <laughs> for uh, you know, exposing it, putting me out, bringing yeah, me back dude. on there. Well, Kind of us, this this is totally a selfish episode for us dude this we, you know like that's <laughs> oh, kind of how yeah. this thing is though it's like it, it's people we want to talk to first and it just so happens to be kelly schaefer from atheist this week cheers man and and oh, yeah, me. and by the way having so much fun too it's like this is so great how many times this has happened to us now like terrence we got fucking Steve DiGiorgio. Now we got Kelly. And all you guys are sick motherfuckers, dude. You make yeah. me want to be back in the 90s with you guys. Like, <laughs> I wish I could jump yes. in the DeLorean and fucking <laughs> go back to Tampa and, like, Seriously. you know. Yeah, Hobbs is great, man. Steve D. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, there, there's a, you know, I, I uh, was just hanging out at a, uh, a show, the Death Tribute show, actually, in uh, Tampa a couple of months ago. And there was just a lot of old school people there. And, just reminded me of how, you know, how much I love all my sort of uh, contemporaries. You know, you see, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I run into, uh, it's, you know, there's it sucks getting older sometimes, but sometimes it's nice. You know, when you when you have this history with so many different people, kind of appreciate it. It's cool. Lee Harrison, you know, just all the the Tardy Boys, uh, you know. David Austin from Nasty Savage, you know, a guy that I used to just worship as my buddy, you know, I can reach out to him and call him whenever I want, you know, I just, I have such appreciation for them. And, uh, and I, you know, it, it, it uh, just, I, you know, I'll never, never not appreciate, uh, this whole journey, you know, it's been, uh, it's been super interesting and, uh, you know, and I look forward to the, the, the post COVID era. You know, yeah, uh, got so up. much, so much music <laughs> bottled up inside me. And, nice. and I, aside from this new t- till the dirt record, uh, you know, we'll be working on a new atheist record, and, and uh, oh, yeah. that's, and that's going to be done with with a with a real vengeance, you know, and and, and sure. a lot of fun and and with no worry, you know, um, because at this point, I don't, you know, we don't have to worry about it. We can make whatever the fuck record we want to make. Yeah, and uh, nice. that's gonna be that's gonna be. Uh, I promise you, it's gonna. Be, it's gonna spin your mind, you know, for Ooh, sure. You just, and, uh, totally. I just got butterflies in my stomach, dude. Yeah, it'd be fun, man. Yeah, because because I mean, we're everybody's already accepted us for being that kind of band. So now it's just fucking crank it to eleven one time and see what happens. You know? <laughs> what we got to lose, you know? What so we got to fire us, you know? I mean, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. So I was gonna uh, ask. I was gonna ask about the leading up to the reunion, because um, I know the story is that like you talked to Paul Masvidal and helped convince him to bring Cynic back. But I was wondering what kind of got you, like, were you paying attention to people telling you, hey, bring Atheist back, like, it's time. Like, how, how did that kind of go about? The way the, the way the reissues happened on Relapse were um, pretty sort of naturally unfolding as well. I, I just tried to, I didn't have any copies of the Atheist record. And after the whole OzFest thing with Neurotica, I came back and was trying to figure out what to do and which direction to go. And, uh, I was like, you know, I, I, while I was out on Ozfest, I'd run into like uh, Jamie Josta from Hatebreed, Remembered Atheist, and uh, the bass player from OTEP, Remembered Atheist. And I was like, oh, I was kind of surprised that you know people still remember the band. So I was like, ah, I gotta get, the, I gotta get them again. I didn't have copies of the album, so I went online to find them, and they were really expensive. And I was just like, who would pay that much for those CDs? And I was like, well, 
I knew that we had signed a record deal with a European label that didn't correctly give us our, you know, didn't do business correctly. And mm -hmm. uh, so I knew that I could uh, start a corporate, start a record label and just take those records and uh, and license them to a, a modern record label like Relapse. And we did. And it was a huge success. And uh, we remastered them and uh, redid the artwork and and uh, and they Relapse did a phenomenal job and they put out the box set and that's where it started. And then we reached out to an agent to try to play some shows and we were just shocked, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden there was like this uh, interest in the band that was just never there back in the day uh, because it had time to simmer for mm -hmm. 17 years. And, well, it's uh, like one of those things where it's like it was, you know, we didn't know ahead of its time. I mean, yeah, ahead of yeah. its time, dude. Like you know, bands it, are coming out that are like have all those, you know, genres mixing together. And it's like, oh, check out fucking Atheist. I did it way before y'all. Yeah. Like, yeah. And a, and a very, almost yeah, like nice. you listen to it now, it's like, it literally still, like if, it, if that came out today, like some of those albums, you'd just be like, that's The like, internet that's played right a large role in that. Yeah. And we, you know, I was yeah. still very, uh, still very uh, virgin-esque to the internet. And, and all of us were in, in our era people. And we thought that going to Europe, we would play for a lot of old school people, uh, you know, maybe, but it was at the meet and greet, it was all 16, 17, 18 year old kids. And we were like, holy shit, you know, the music was older than they were. And we were just kind of surprised that that yeah. was the case. And uh, I think that, you know, it's purely just because of the internet and the timing and the way it worked. And, uh, and that's how it's continued. You know, since. I remember the first time I like heard, heard of atheist or whatever it was from, Mike Smith's T-shirt on the back of a uh, effigy. Suffocation, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I was like, it, like, probably like late '90s because I I graduated high school in 2001. So like, I'm like, what's that shirt? Atheist? What's that? I remember like what's just that? seeing that logo. It's such a cool logo, you know. And I was like, atheist? Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah! I was like, that's got that's got to be really good, you know. That's and, how uh, things were discovered, you know. Even yeah. even you know, you, you're coming from a sort of the the mid the mid. Mm -hmm. generation but even in the early days seeing seeing a t-shirt that somebody's wearing like what is that you know and that's kind of a you know that underground punk thing as well punk was very much that way yep. Yep. where bands you know sort of uh, built their following uh nobody else knew about them but if you saw like a sticker or a patch on somebody's vest you're like who's that you know mm -hmm. yeah, gbh yeah. who's that you know yeah. dri the, well, yeah, it, it, i was gonna say too it's interesting hearing these different perspectives of you know genres and 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 uh generations and stuff but like for us like growing up like you know and then playing metal in the early 2000s and dude we like to us atheist was just another one of the bands we listened to like they were you like we listened to you know unquestionable presence and that shit like all the fucking time like and all those awesome. things, all those albums like so to us it was just like oh yeah atheist is just another band that we listen to like they're insane it was like you right. know like so we we look kind of guys insanity. as on the same level like as all the other yeah. bands like always you know yeah it was like it was like Pierce from within it's like Pierce from within was crazy and like atheist yeah, was crazy but, but like in their own like yeah elements. different in their own element yeah <laughs> yeah you know, like they had their their own kind of yeah. style to it but it was still pushing we played with Suffo for the first time in '91 on that tour where we lost Roger and Roger oh, loves yeah. Suffo man and uh, and uh, but you know uh, it's it's great to, I, you know I love seeing Terrence and Suffocation do so well and. And, and be in his position now, you know, it's still all these years later, they're still making just brutal fucking music. And yeah, um, that's ah, nice, man. You know, it's nice to be able to go out and try. I look forward to, to touring with those guys. We yeah, toured, in South, toured in South America together uh, in 2019 and had a fucking mm -hmm. blast. So um, we get each other, you know, we're different, but we, uh, but it works well live, you know, as a, as a bill, you know. 
cool. Does it come? Mm-hmm. Does it come through Cali? I didn't even look at the. Oh day. yeah, I think there's a show here oh, in yeah. June. I'm going to go to or something. Yeah, San Fran, uh, LA. Dude, I'm, going to I'm definitely, one, I'm definitely going, dude. Just yeah, let's gather up, fucking sure. uh, at each yeah. wherever you guys are individually. Just hit me up. It'll be super cool sure. to yeah. all. I, I'm not okay, a Jaeger yeah. drinker, but I'll fucking take a Jaeger bomb with you dude, if I go. <laughs> the guys, uh, the guys playing in the band, you know, you know, you know, there's, you know, sometimes people get upset about you know different members being in a band, but you know, I I can't say enough about anybody that saw us play on the cattle uh, tour in 2020 mm-hmm. should should know that. Uh, I've got like some beastly musicians, a, a drummer is just Anthony Medaglia is just, he's amazing. Uh, he does all the live stuff. Steve, Steve Flynn does it like the tour, mm-hmm. you know, he has a, just a yeah. different life. He likes to make records and, um, you know, touring is, is not something he's ever been able to do in abundance. And so, um, you know, collectively we decided it'd be cool to get an understudy, you know, and, uh, so, so that the, you know, so we can get out and perform this music before it's you know before mm-hmm. we're not here anymore <laughs> and uh yeah. so that, that cattle tour was like for the first time going out with these guys and you know i tip my hat to them they, they play this music better in, in many ways than we played it back in the day and uh and when it's played correctly it moves the earth in a different way that sounds cheesy or stupid but but it's it's you know they play so well and then in uh in today's modern sound you know pa systems and the way it is like um you know, if you enjoyed it on the record, it's fucking way heavier live. You know, yeah. and, uh, I can I feel, feel it on stage. You know, it's really cool. I feel like Atheist is a band I need to see live. Like I was just about I to say, like I've seen yeah. Suffo so many fucking times, but I never oh, yeah. had an opportunity to see Atheist. And no, I'm gonna well, make sure. I hope I'm you guys will make it. it. Tour starts May 26th in Brooklyn. Yeah, and, I'm gonna uh, see if this works. See everybody works. in Maryland. Oh that. shit! Okay, there so where's San Diego brick by brick, June 5th? I'm there. Whatever day that we guys, I don't care what day. The day before, do. LA, seventeen twenty. I'll see you there, man. Nice. And maybe, right. maybe Pomona too. I might go twice. We'll see. That's you. a great venue. <laughs> oh, yeah. House. Yep. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, and yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, it'll be fun, man. So come see me. Plus, oh, yeah, Surreption, yeah. dude. Surreption and Contrarian, both. Oh, sick, sick ass yeah. bands, dude. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's like a dope lineup, man. I don't know the other one. Surreption. Good night in metal, indeed. Yeah, Contrarian is like a prog. Death metal, like check that it out. style. Yeah, nice. be sick. Cool. Yeah. That yeah. rules. Fuck yeah. Dude, yeah, good dudes <laughs> as well. Is there yeah. any um, uh, fan questions that you've been saving, Joseph? Or did uh, we go through pretty much everything? Yeah, no, that was it. I mean, uh, I mean, there's this right should... here. Uh, Jen, Jen's been here for a while, been dropping some. Bro, uh... <laughs> 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 asking with you, Kelly. Like back in the day, certainly newspaper, <laughs> newspaper joint roll. <laughs> I didn't squeeze room. it in. I didn't squeeze it in. But I remember she had a comment earlier saying that piece of time was written at her house or some shit. Well, yeah, we uh, we we had a her and uh, Alana that she was just talking about there, who, who just died a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, had uh, a house. Um, it was. Yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a house. It was a house, and we all lived there and grew pot in the closet, and and uh, and we didn't have a place to rehearse, so it had wooden floors, and it sounded really really good in there. So yeah, we did. We we wrote a lot of the uh, you know piece of time stuff there, and the warehouse that we had before that we got kicked out of that warehouse because of so many parties. So then we had nowhere yeah. to go. So we uh, and Alana was my ex girlfriend, and uh, her and Jen. Who was just writing there or were roommates and uh yeah so that's a true story yeah we did nice, nice. 
Yeah. I got another one about I your have... shirt. Also, right. Dude, here. I was literally about to ask the same question, man. <laughs> oh yeah, I, uh, yeah. A piece of time. Uh... Damn. How <laughs> fucking sick is that shirt, dude? When <laughs> when did you know, that one get printed? Well, it's 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 a uh, limited. Uh, Gosh, I feel terrible right now. I'm buzzed. I got to think of the, the, the <laughs> fucking uh, shit. We, we, we had a tab book made. And, uh, oh, four, four T's. F O R T I Z. Four T's music.com. And uh, he has these shirts. So you can get one. And uh, they're the really cool. Up, it's, a Steve, it's the oh, actual man. Steve Music. Piece I love time. white metal shirts, too. Like, <laughs> I, I'm so tired of black dude i need to have different if i want to i still want to support metal i'm like fuck dude black t-shirts yeah but day? Come white, on. White, you know it's funny when you go to vak in, in germany large festival seventy thousand people i mean if you're wearing a white shirt you you're you, gonna somebody stick can, out yeah somebody could spot you from fighting <laughs> you know 200 yards away man i've never seen such a sea of black shirts in my life it was really right crazy. dude post-covid i've actually you know I've I've stuck to the black because of the uh, you know breasts I'm growing because of the uh, <laughs> because of the weight you know it's like I'm like oh this looks way sicker I like buy these like cool shirts I'm like yeah it's a white tee dude and I like, look in the mirror I'm yeah like, Shit. white definitely white <laughs> it definitely doesn't lie dude they're gonna see everything when you wear white yeah yeah, yeah brings up the, the ugly truth <laughs> dude I've seen you recently you're not that bad what are you talking about. I don't know. You, have a, you ever do the side profile in a fucking mirror, dude? Come on. Uh, yeah, I never liked the side profile, dude. <laughs> that's the truth. That's the truth profile, dude. It's the elements. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> well, hell yeah, guys. We're, what? Uh, any other questions from the resident homies? Like, come on. What do we got here? <laughs> the resident homies. Yeah, uh, my resident homies, yeah. dude. So you're in Tampa uh, right now, right? No, I'm in Sarasota. Oh, shit. Sarasota, Sarasota we have a... 50 miles south. South Siesta okay. Key. Have you ever yeah. seen that show on MTV? Uh, Siesta Key. <laughs> uh, I've heard of it. Show and, well, yeah, I'm sure yeah. you've heard of it. Oh. Yeah. So, so that's a, that's where I'm at. Uh, is a, that like I think that Sarasota is a place that we had to like sign a contract that like we were if we if we were on stage there we'd lose our whole guarantee if we cussed on stage because it was like the super was that Sarasota Pensacola Jesus Christ yeah. I'm mixing it all together yeah it was like super Bible but like if you cuss on stage. We're taking your whole guarantee, no. wow. and like we had to sign a thing, and like we, Bill was just handing the mic to people to cuss, like the crowd make them cuss. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's like it wasn't me. It's all good. Give us some money. But yeah, Sarasota's great. It's a, it's a paradise. It's a little crowded these days. I mean, when I was growing up, it was much, much more quaint. And uh, but Siesta Key Beach is one of the best beaches in the world. It's by you know if you look it up, it's a it's just a great place to to grow up and a great place to raise kids. And, Nice. You know, we're five minutes from one of the most gorgeous beaches ever, and uh, mm -hmm. it's cool. You know, I mean, uh, it's odd that a band like Atheist would come from a town like this because it's a lot of old people. Mm -hmm. uh, people come here to retire, so to speak. You know, but there's a lot of young money here as well. But, but it's just a really, it's a town that never gets fucked with with hurricanes. Um, okay, it's got a lot of. Uh, it, uh, I've been here 40 years, and we've never, you know. We never get like, you know, a category five or anything. It always manages to kind of skip around us because we're right in the middle, just below Tampa, and mm. so it's hard for a hurricane to kind of swing around or come around. So we've we've been fortunate, and, and it's just uh, you know, it's beautiful. But in these times, it's getting it's getting harder and harder to live here. It's uh, rent is just going crazy. Yeah, 
people are finding out the same things that you're you're saying right now. They're finding that out. They're like, oh, well, I can live there for cheaper. And just I mean, Robert. I think Robert Plant has a place here now. Uh, Joe Perry, uh, Stephen King, Brian mm-hmm. Johnson, fucking everybody lives here now. It's like, uh, oh wow. So uh, yeah, it's very. Uh, there's a lot of really cool places, <laughs> a lot of cool houses. Yeah. So I, I have a question for myself. Uh, what is your flip flop to shoe ratio? <laughs> I, I can say that I probably up and unless I have to go somewhere, it's flip flops. Fuck day. yeah! Uh-huh. See, yeah. adding another one to my my fucking club, dude. Flip flops <laughs> and metal, dude. I'm fucking starting a movement, dude. It's uh, I mean, you know, Florida. I mean, it's 88 degrees Fahrenheit here today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't need to be having my fucking boots on, you know, uh, but okay. if I have to go somewhere, you know, and I want to look decent, I'll wear boots, you know, but, uh, so, but I don't wear, hardly ever wear sneakers. Yeah. For some what reason. About, okay. Here's another question. Side question. Ever do flip flops on stage? No, no. Boom. So sure. uh, ha- have I probably, but uh, would I ever now? No, I, you know, no, I, I think no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, would go, I would go barefoot before I would do that, you know. Yeah, interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm not not for metal anyway. I mean, if I was just hanging out at a backyard party, I would not go on stage by flip flops. But but if I go somewhere, I put shoes on, you know. But if I'm just cruising through my day and and uh, you know going to buy groceries and shit like that, it's flip flops for sure because it's too okay. fucking hot. It's just really really hot. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool, like putting that foot up on the monitor with those curled toes and the sandals, and you know, singing some brutal shit, dude. <laughs> no, I always, I used to when I I had a club uh, called Kelly's Live for a couple of years, and and I used to there was a, a particular band that would come through, and and uh, the singer was really really good, the great singer, and one of the first things I told him was like, dude, you can't come in here and fucking rock flip flops. Said, so, you know, I people don't want to see uh, a band that looks like they should be mowing their lawn you know I mean, people want to people want to have you know you, you got to bring a little bit to you know, he's a really really great singer and I, i'm sure if he watches this he'll be like fuck you dude uh but i but you know i meant it as a term of endearment i was like come on now you gotta, you gotta throw on he had shorts and flip-flops i was like you look like you're gonna come change my oil what's like, hilarious yeah, is that? i want you to fucking get on stage you're hitting so you many know. fucking points right dude, now that are so best. crazy that you don't even know about because i'm a mechanic i wear shorts <laughs> and flip-flops on stage i'm the front man of the band like I'm i all of that uh, <laughs> i'll change your oil i gotta i gotta i gotta get the fucking uh steel toe flip-flops then i can wear those at work you know, I there's, you know, the the metal uniform uh, these days seems to be camo everything. I yeah. have, a, you know, I take issue with that, and I'm sure people will be like, "Yeah, well, fuck you, Axel," you know, with your fucking headband. So you know, I mean, it's fun to rib each other. I think everybody should take themselves a little less serious. Yeah, no, oh, totally. Just totally. That's fucking, why I've been you know, laughing like, at what you were saying because I'm like, "Holy shit, dude, he's fucking saying everything." <laughs> he's talking about me. Is he? Did he say he's talking about me? That's what I was thinking. I was like, "He's saying everything that I am, dude." <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like when you said like Deftones was a big deal to you. It's kind of like um, back when you were in the you know in the midst of your you know doing the first shows and stuff like that, and first albums and stuff. If you set, dropped a band that like everyone's like, oh, bro, fuck that band. It was kind of like this. This, I mean, in in my groups and stuff like that, it was always like you were kind of embarrassed if you listen to anything softer. It kind of was, and then you hit the certain age where you're like, I don't give a shit. This is what I listen to. This, Deftones yeah. is, sick, is the sickest. I don't, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, I don't care. You know, I uh, I like what I like. 
Yeah. yeah it's, if, if I'm going to, if it makes me feel a certain way and I like the way it makes me feel, I'm going to fucking listen to it. I don't give a fuck what it is. That's what it's about, for sure. Fuck yeah. Guys, my computer's about to die. Kelly, yeah, let's dude. wrap it up. I just I looking at my you, little uh, battery, my little battery things about fucking. All right, it's all good, dude. Thank you for coming. It's been a real pleasure yeah. hanging with you, gents, man. I appreciate oh, you yeah. having me. And uh, yeah, hit the uh, you know hit the Instagram atheist band. Um, we have to go as atheist band. And uh, till the dirt is also on uh, Facebook. And check that out. Watch for that album coming out. And come oh, yeah. see us on tour, man, in May and June with yep. Suffocation and Disruption and Contrarian. Fuck, yeah. uh, it's gonna be a fucking ton of fun. Hope that each of you guys will reach out to me individually and you know, oh, yeah, we'll hang out. Yeah. I'll stay in touch, no doubt, dude. And I really, really want to be at that San Francisco show. So I gotta fucking Let's make it happen. Make some shit. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'm 100% gonna be there. 100%. We haven't been to San Fran since 1991. Yeah, we Whoa. played the show. Okay, you just confirmed it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. It. The, the Stone. We played the, uh, the, the Stone Lounge. The Stone. Yeah. Wow. And Mike Patton was there. Jesus. Wow. That's a great story because I oh I God. love Mike Patton. He's like one of my favorite vocals ever. And I heard somewhere along the line that he uh that he was at that show. And then years later I was at a Mr. Bungle show and I was like yeah. I was like a little fanboy. I was like, Hey, hey, did you go see Atheist at the Stone in, in San Francisco? And he was like, Fuck yeah, it was a great band. And he was like wrapping up his own chords and his own pedals and everything. I couldn't believe he was out there. And uh, I was I was all like, Yeah, it's my band. You know, <laughs> Patton's a fucking genius. Genius, dude. Oh, yeah. Genius. yeah, we do so, too. I have so much respect for him. Well, well boys, thank be you good. so much. Hey, fucking metal. You too, man. No, no, dude, let's nice do an outro you. real quick and then okay. we'll, we'll. What do you want me to say? No, no, I'm just saying I'm going to oh, do an outro and okay. then we'll wrap it up. And oh, I right. think we're going to raid uh, somebody here. I just raided Justin McKinney. Boom. Okay. So uh, thank you so much for hanging you, out man. with us, all you guys. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, resident homies. Uh, I didn't say it at the top, but battleforgecoffee.com. Forgot to throw that in there. Go get your caffeine fix. and uh, Cali Death Podcast. Yeah, right? dude. Yeah. That's what's up, dude. Fuck yeah. All right. You guys have a good weekend, and uh, we will see you next week. All right. Stay right. metal, boys. See Rock ya. Out. Cheers. Cheers.